Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network, as we are finally at long last here to start a recap series, albeit a short one, but a recap series on a newly released movie or a movie soon to be newly released. Unless COVID ruins that for us, I'm sure there's going to be a way that uh, even this can get canceled in the next, what, five days? But. A new movie is coming out, and it's Bill and Ted, my second childhood favorite franchise. And I'm too excited to contain my excitement because it's a new movie, and we're talking about it, and we're doing recaps again. And we haven't done recaps on new movies since who knows when. What, Star Wars? Come on, it doesn't seem right. But, but, I mean, I go from Star Wars to Bill and Ted. This is just too much. I don't think I can contain myself. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I can't contain myself. Canceled, okay? We're canceling the movie. Calm down, dude. (laughs) <laughs> we're canceling the recap <laughs> all <Whoa>. over <laughs> but we are going to be covering bill and ted's excellent adventure the 1989 original that has spawned now two sequels one of which is about to come out 29 years after the second part one of the longest gaps ever for a direct sequel it could not get more exciting than this my name is colin and two hours ago i totally ravaged osmond sporting goods and my name is Ben, and how's it going, royal ugly dude? <laughs> yes. Oh, every line of this movie is gold. I love it. <laughs> do, we, do we need to do the whole recap? Like, hey, Colin, how you doing, dude? Whoa, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> that was a most heinous statement, Ben. <laughs> dude. Uh, <laughs> this is so exciting for me for many reasons. Um, one... Uh, I have not been able to talk about Bill and Ted with anybody in a long time. Uh, the last time we did one of these recaps, you're actually going to hear it in a couple of days uh, because we did Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey first as sort of a Halloween-themed recap. When we when we first started the Oz Network, Rossi and I were just doing this random rewatch thing, which we haven't done in a while, where you pick one TV show and then the next week another person picks another TV show and you're literally just picking random episodes. And when it came up to Halloween, we thought, let's do a movie he had picked the Adams family, and I said, okay, I don't know if I'm ever getting a chance to do this again. I'm picking Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the second part, because uh, it has some Halloween themes to it. And Jamie, who loves Keanu Reeves, loves Bill and Ted, did it with me and Rossi, and they both dumped all over the movie. Uh, it was it was terrible. I'm interested to hear what you think about that next week or in a few days, whenever that airs. But um, I, I love both of these movies. Excellent Adventure especially. I mean, this was my childhood favorite movie. Uh, next to Star Wars. So there's Star Wars in this. Uh, I will run through a list of the extremes I went to as a Bill and Ted fan as a child uh, in a little bit. But uh, this is sort of one of those recaps where you're like, you'll never get a chance to talk about Bill and Ted. And I'm actually talking about Bill and Ted with somebody and I have no idea what they think of the movie, which is terrifying and exciting (laughs) at the same time. So uh, before we get into history with the movie, because you don't have any, uh, (laughs) Ben, please tell me that this is not going to be another wasted hour and a half like it was with Rossi and Jamie. Look, I I yeah, never seen these movies until last night. And I don't know why. I really don't know why. I hadn't these like seem like movies I should have watched as a kid because they're very movies like I should be watching as a kid. Um they're kid friendly. Um they've got Keanu Reeves in it. Um <laughs> the other guy. So, yeah. <laughs> um I was like why didn't I watch these? But um 
I'll, I'll save my thoughts on the second one, but th- yeah, this one was it, it was fun. It was it was fun. It was it's one of these movies where like it 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 could be incredibly complicated that you could be thinking about it too much, but it it does mm. a very good job of basically this is pretty much just a dumb movie that you're going to love and that you don't need to think too much about the subtleties of it. And I like a movie like that every now and then, you know, it's it's fun to just to watch it and it it's funny, I kind of watched the Honest trailer of it and they kind of were like, oh, you know, before Dumb and Dumber, before uh, Wayne's World, like kind of they, they labelled this very closely to sort of the other two dumb bro sort of movies. Um, the one that I honestly started watching this that I was taken back to was Dude, Where's My Car? And yeah. <laughs> they, they actually like, mentioned that in the honest trailer like before you know william uh sean william scott and ashton kutcher like i randomly loved dude where's my car as a kid and this reminded me a lot of that so this is why i think i enjoyed it a lot so uh to answer your question colin i enjoyed the first one uh <laughs> did i enjoy the second one stay tuned for a couple of days <laughs> um I'm very excited to hear that. So this will not be a wasted opportunity. I, I did even tell like we, we we simply covered Bogus Journey first because it was Halloween. And I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever get to do Bill and Ted. Uh, but Jamie, you know, she, they make good arguments for Bogus Journey. We'll get to get there. But it, showing it at least to Rossi out of order. I'm like, OK, maybe you have to kind of know these characters. You have to know the genre and the genre, especially like this kind of is the original. Like you said, Wayne's World, uh, the the sketches for Wayne's World came about after Bill and Ted had come out, as far as I know. And then Dumb and Dumber, obviously, as well. And Dudes Where's My Car? That was one I was going to mention. There's just there's there's a lot of movies like this now. And this sort of is the original. And I think there's certain things they did with these two characters that just make them so endearing. There's a reason why. We are now 31 years from when Excellent Adventure came out. And in a weird way, this movie has a bigger following and more appreciation now than it had 31 years ago, which is Mm. so strange because it is dated. You watch this, it feels like late 80s, early 90s. It feels very late 80s, early 90s, you know? Yeah. And yet it holds up so well in a way that it shouldn't. Uh, this movie, it's not because of, or the, the new movie, I should say, Face the Music, is not because of this big revival of Keanu Reeves, this movie's getting made. They started production on this 10 years ago when Keanu Reeves was in the dumps again. And, uh, you know, the, the director we're going to have for Face the Music, you know, he's been on the project for years, the guy who directed Galaxy Quest. Uh, this was a movie they always wanted to make, the, the third one. And if you look at the popularity of this in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, it was huge. We'll get to the box office later. You know, box office is one thing for kind of a lower budgeted teen comedy, I guess, if you want to call it that. But as far as like what the following was of this movie, there was an animated Bill and Ted series. There was a live action Bill and Ted TV series after this. There was Bill and Ted serial. I was going to say was Bill the and serial. Please mention the I serial. read that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was merchandise. And, and as far as like my history with this movie ties a lot into a lot of the, that merchandise I'll mention because this was for me next to Star Wars the biggest thing. And I didn't see this when it first came out. I, I, I don't even remember. It, it, it's strange. I don't remember seeing this movie for the first time. I remember having not seen it. I remember my sister had gone to a sleepover when she was a kid. We were both kids, but she as well was. <laughs> and uh, she had come back saying, oh, this movie, Bill and Ted. And I think I had heard of it. Uh, she said, oh, you you will love this movie. It's like, I, I really liked it. it, it you know, it's a, it's a boys movie. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird thing when you're kids, you know, boys movies, girls movies. And eventually after that, I saw it. But 
I don't know if this movie made like a huge impression on me the first time because I don't remember it, but I remember probably around the time before Bogus Journey came out, maybe even you know within a year before Bogus Journey came out, I remember seeing this movie so much that uh, one of my fondest memories with my mom, and it was one of my mom's fondest memories too, she would always bring it up to me whenever Bill and Ted would come up, is that for an entire summer, literally every single day, I would wake up in the morning or she would wake up. Let's just say my mom wakes up and she just looked at me and said, you want to watch Bill and Ted? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Put on Bill and Ted every single morning. I had this movie so memorized that as a child, eight, nine years old, they somebody could mention to me a scene in the movie and I could quote all the dialogue just off the top of my head as a child. Hmm. Um, I went on a road trip one summer uh, for not for a whole summer, but let's say for a week. And this may have been during that I was watching Bill and Ted all the time. And I recorded an audio cassette of just the the audio from this movie so I could listen to the movie <laughs> when I couldn't watch it. <laughs> hey, that's funny. I did that with um, Marty Ducks as a kid. Oh, fr- Seriously. from the same director, Stephen Herrick. There you go. You inspired so many children to listen to your movie. <laughs> he, he, he just wants every, like audio cassette versions. There you go. Look yeah. at him. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I had, you know, uh, the soundtracks. That was a big thing. Like I, I would still say Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure might be my favorite soundtrack of all time. Um, I had the novelization of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Never got the novelization Wait, of Excellent Adventure. Wait, a novelization? How has that <laughs> <Yes>. happened? <laughs> it's, it's so weird that they would make a novelization of any Bill People and Ted movie. People watching this movie don't read. Like exactly, this movie's targeted at me. <laughs> oh, I know. People could expand their mind by reading the book. Like, dude, come on, this is Bill and Ted. I had Bill and Ted trading cards. I had everything. Um, I, I lived and breathed for Bill and Ted. Uh, and then Bogus Journey came out, and you know, I'm not saying I grew out of it, but I mean, the, the franchise went away. I mean, I, I used to wake up at five o'clock in the morning when the animated series was on because we didn't get it here in Canada. But if you were up really early in the morning, we're close enough to North Dakota that very early in the morning, if you when you had the antennas on the TV, you could adjust it and you could pick up channels. And I'd watch like a really, really grainy version of the animated series <laughs> at five in the morning on a Saturday as a child because I just loved everything Bill and Ted. And but, that's uh, when North Dakota got their first television viewer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a kid from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's my history with the movie. Uh, you don't really have one, but you can imagine how excited I am that we're even getting a Bill and Ted 3, let alone I get to run down Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Funny enough, though, I don't think, famous last words, don't think this is going to take that long. Uh, well, <laughs> But we'll see. I just I just picture little Colin just you know, getting up, adjusting his TV set, listening to an audio cassette of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, just... It explains a lot, but I think probably a lot of the reason why maybe I didn't see this movie, because, like, again, as I've said a lot of the times, a lot of my movies as a kid were based on my father, and my dad, I can imagine, would hate this movie. This would be a movie that my dad would not find funny. Um, You know, like a a movie that I maybe went to those lengths that you did, but I was a little bit older, and unfortunately we didn't have the Zoolander breakfast cereal, but uh, I used to watch (laughs) Zoolander, you know, religiously when that came out, and my dad hated that movie. Um, so I could imagine that's probably why I never got to see this as a kid. But I mean, funny story, like Back to the Future, a movie that I think made it to number three or four on my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I didn't see that till I was in high school. So it was a long time till I saw that as well. And that should have been a movie I was watching a lot as a kid. So, um, it's funny how sometimes it takes you a while to appreciate movies that, you know, I'd obviously heard of this movie. I, I, 
knew who Keanu Reeves was, and I think I'd seen a picture of the other guy. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, I just, for some reason, just hadn't seen it. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm still picturing little Colin uh, with his with his cereal in the morning and, Mum, Mum, I can't move the aerial. <laughs> I can't get North Dakota TV. <laughs> Go back Hard to life. bed. It's five in the morning. <laughs> Talk when the sun. Eat risen. your Bill and Ted cereal. <laughs> Um, we'll talk about this at 1.2, Liz, as they just continue to run down these things. Uh, I would play Bill and Ted as a child by myself. You know, I, I came up with stories Were from Bill and Ted. Were you Bill or Ted? <laughs> it, both. <laughs> hey, Bill. I'd hey, find, Ted. How are you? Good. I'd find somebody else, and I'd go, who do you want to be, Bill or Ted? And, of course, the game was probably only fun to me, but uh, uh, I would come up with stories. I drew posters for what I thought the third and fourth movies could be and even came up with my own stories. Please tell me you have extreme. all of these still. Like, I, I want to see these. Oh, I wish I did. No. Wow. <laughs> Sadly, no. True story. I still play movies by myself, uh, play characters. I play Star Wars because I have no friends still. So you know, I'm I'm always pretending to be the characters. Uh, that joke moved. That joke died. Move I, on. I um, <laughs> You're gonna say like blue is the warmest room or something. Oh um, well, you know, I have Mallory for that. <laughs> Do you want to be the girl or me? Guess what? We can both be the girl. <laughs> I know it's great. Um, Mallory finally gets to be a girl in that situation. It's really good. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Uh, in jokes, uh, Ben's not the man of the relationship. Anyways, <laughs> well, any Ben's not relationship. the man of any relationship. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, why I'm the feminist voice of this podcast. <laughs> That's why. No other reason. Let's see how long that lasts. I'm sure yeah. you'll say something inappropriate about the teenage girls in this movie. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Before we actually cover the whole movie, just uh, a bit of interesting history on how this came about. Very closely tied to another one we covered uh, this year as well. But uh, the two screenwriters, uh, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. Uh, funny enough, uh, Chris Matheson is the son of a very famous screenwriter, uh, Richard Matheson, who wrote uh, the the novel I Am Legend that you know has been made a million times, and most recently the Will Smith one. He was probably one of the main screenwriters on the classic Twilight Zone series, which is what he's most known for. Uh, but these two guys, they – were college friends and they would perform these characters as part of a theater group in college, Bill and Ted, that they created themselves. And years later, they they thought about doing this into a movie, but similar to Airplane, which we covered earlier this year, their original thought was this would be like, you know, a series of sketches, kind of like an anthology comedy film. And Bill and Ted would just be one of the segments. And somebody had told them, no, I think that these characters, you've got a premise here and these characters could carry a movie on their own. So they sort of wrote a, a draft. And the original draft, it is much like Back to the Future. Uh, there's a lot of similarities of just things that changed over time. Uh, the biggest thing being that the original draft was Bill and Ted's time van, hmm. uh, which was – uh, similar to this movie in that they were trying to pass a history report, but they sort of lucked into a time machine. There was a van that an older friend of theirs, Rufus, had that they borrowed, and then they realized this van could travel through time. It wasn't so much, you we're coming from the future because we have to save the human race. It was, we just lucked into this van, let's pick up all these people. And Hitler was originally the first person that they ran into and brought back. Uh, deemed not funny enough, they changed it to Napoleon. Wonder oh, why. Come on, Hitler's always <laughs> funny. <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny that the reason that the time van went away was because it was considered to be too similar to Back to the Future uh, with a DeLorean in a vehicle. So they changed it to a phone booth, which was kind of an homage to Doctor Who, where he travels around in a phone booth. Um, 
what's weird about that is that the original Back to the Future time machine was a fridge. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I so that. yeah, and they, they were scared if, kids were going to lock themselves in the fridge and basically yeah. die in the fridge. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So imagine if there had not been that fear, Back to the Future would have remained a fridge. Bill and Ted would have been a van. <laughs> Could Bill and Ted's time van have been the DeLorean? We'll never know. Uh, but I'm happy that we end up with the phone booth here. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, the the other thing, I guess, before the movie really came about, the, the original vision of these characters, which was similar to what Matheson and uh, Solomon had when they were in college playing the characters themselves, was that they, were, they, were, they weren't supposed to be cool. These were supposed to be two guys. You ever watch Beavis and Butthead? Oh, I've seen the movie. <laughs> okay, well, there's there is a character. I can't remember the name of the character, but there's a character on Beavis and Butthead that, that it sounds like this is what they were going for. It was another guy who sort of acted like, hey, you know, I I, I like metal. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. But he's actually like the world's biggest wimp and everything. They were meant to be kind of these wimpy characters that played like they were cool, but they were the laughing stock of their school. And through the casting process – when they got Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, they looked at them and said, these guys don't look like anybody would laugh at them. So they just changed it and, and said, let's just make them two regular guys, which, again, I think suits the movie more. But the original script, there were e- apparently even scenes that were filmed where they were sort of mocked and they were like the losers of the school and they just sort of cut all that out of it. Uh, but the casting would be the other interesting thing before this movie comes out uh, because Keanu Reeves had some success, mild success. There was a movie called The River's Edge that he did. Uh, which was a dramatic movie. Uh, and then Alex Winter had had a small role in a, a cult classic called The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. uh, Good movie. M- many people would have heard of. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Between, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so both of them sort of were up-and-coming young stars. Uh, during the screen test process, this is something that's come out only in the last two weeks. I don't know if you saw any of this. They released video of the original screen tests of Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves included in that are them screen testing with other actors. One of which was Alex Winter, who plays Bill, auditioning with Polly Shore no. in the role of Ted, <laughs> which different take on the character, still kind of funny, but you can tell through watching all these screen tests that like their chemistry is what made this movie uh, work. I thought you were going to say uh, Sam Neill, just because I thought that was a thing in the 80s yeah. that Sam Neill auditioned <laughs> for so all these iconic roles and missed Yeah. <laughs> And now it would be Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle <laughs> takes every role that somebody else turns down. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, Don Cheadle, Bill and Ted face the music. Wow. That's, um, I'd watch that. Uh. <laughs> oh, in a second. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like they, they hit on these two guys that had this incredible chemistry together and the movie sort of developed around that. And it, it, it's, it's, it's fun to think about all the things that could have been different with a movie like this and how sometimes, these little things that they needed to change for specific reasons, like let's not make them two losers, let's just make them two regular guys, is part of what works in the movie. And let's have it be a phone booth because we don't want to be too similar to Back to the Future. That's part of what works with the movie. Well, I, I can't imagine these two being losers because, I mean, I think what I had known from this movie and why people loved it was kind of just that, you know, like, dude, excellent, like kind of that kind of thing. Like if these are just two non-people like that, I mean, is this movie going to be as popular as it is? Because, I mean, this kind of sets a trend, doesn't it, for Keanu Reeves moving forward, that this is his stereotype, (laughs) that this is just, dude, like, whoa, like, that's Keanu Reeves. Um, And then you've got the other guy. Um, Seriously, who is, what's his name? Alex Winter. Winter. I'm not trying to be a dick. He seems like, he seems cool. I like him. I really like his character. But 
I mean, what? Where is he? Like, how did they okay. find him for Bill and Ted Part Three? Like, <laughs> so Alex Winter, he sort of he was acting like as a teenager in early twenties and everything, but he was in school and he was studying to be a filmmaker. His his objective was always to be in filmmaking, right, and not so much acting. Um, so. It, you can actually go back prior to even Bill and Ted and see that he had been doing short films and stuff like that as a director and just sort of used acting on the side. Uh, he kind of stepped down from acting outside of Bill and Ted, even though Bill and Ted and Lost Boys were sort of the only things he even really went out of his way to get major roles for. Uh, he had like a very cult favorite movie called Freaked, which is like, uh, I don't even know. It, it's a bizarre movie, very bizarre movie. But he directed that and since then has continued to work like, you know, as a writer, producer and director. Um, so never really intended to be more of an actor. Uh, he did a TV series for a while. I remember there on the time Bill and Ted came out. I always wished I could see it. And I only have seen it now on YouTube. But even as Bill and Ted's bogus journey was coming out, he had sold a show that he created and was writing and producing to MTV called The Idiot Box, which, again, has like this huge following, even though it was a short lived show. Uh, so, yeah, he's more on the creative side than anything else. Uh, funny story with Alex Winter, though, is that him and Keanu Reeves, the reason that Bill and Ted 3 is eventually getting made is because they've remained such good friends over the years. Uh, I heard Alex Winter on a podcast. This is before Bill and Ted Face the Music was even coming out. They were just interviewing about other stuff that he was doing. And he was talking about, you know, him and Keanu Reeves, they still get together a couple times a year and go out for dinner. Hmm. And he said they happened to be meeting one year on Halloween. Uh, they went out to eat and then they came out of the restaurant after eating and it was on Halloween. And as they're walking down the street, two young guys walk past them and they sort of turn around and look at them and they point and say, hey, look at those two old guys dressed as Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just amazing. But wow. yeah, they're still good friends to this day. But yeah, Alex Winter, definitely more on the the behind the scenes part of film, filmmaking as much as or not so much as he is in front of the camera. I just want to say, and you might be familiar with this movie, I've just discovered it. This seems to be Keanu Reeves' first ever movie. If we ever do a Keanu Reeves month, uh, Youngblood, have you heard of this movie before? No. Uh, a not. 1986 American drama sports film. Uh, it seems to be about hockey, uh, starring, like Keanu Reeves plays a goalie in this movie, but it's got Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze in it. Now, I know we haven't had the best track record with Patrick Swayze movies, but, uh, yeah, they're the two main stars. They even got Fiona Flanagan, who, of course, was um, – she was in uh, the one of the Ewok movies and she was in Lost, of course. She's oh. uh, the – what's her name in Lost? But, uh, yeah, Keanu Reeves plays Heaver, the Mustangs goalie. Reeves had played goalie while in high school, earning the nickname The Wall. So this <laughs> is outside of a short film that Keanu Reeves did uh, called One Step Away in 1985. This is his first credited film role, Youngblood. So, there you go. Him and Patrick Swayze pre-Point Break. We have to check this out. Yeah, uh, and Rob Lowe. And in Rob the 80s. Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> God I like love Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe. I actually do like Rob Lowe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Let's cover anything, Keanu Reeves. Let's just do Keanu Reeves Oz. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie will be in for it. That's, um, how, that's how 007 started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, See, I mean, we could pretty much jump into the movie here unless you have any more history you want to discuss on this. Uh, No, Colin, but we're about to talk about history because they're about to travel through history. Now, that's called a segue, kids. Learn it. (laughs) They're really good and fun to do. They usually work better when you don't identify. Here's a segue. (laughs) (laughs) It'll work regardless. It'll work one day. You know, I'll get get the hang of it. (laughs) All right. So 
movie opens up with this big futuristic CGI or very early CGI uh, of what's eventually going to evolve into the the time machine of this movie. Uh, you get the, the first song of the the movie playing, uh, Breakaway, which was, I believe, the first song on the soundtrack. I can't remember. Uh, maybe one of the first ones. But uh, every song in this movie is amazing. Um, and we're going to eventually get just George Carlin here, now famous comedian. I don't even know how much acting he'd done, but more well-known as probably one of the biggest comedians of like the he 70s and recently, 80s. He didn't he? He did, yeah. It was the reason that they had to, you know, do Bill and Ted 3 without him. Oh, um, when I say recently, 2008. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it recent was like, enough. I thought it was like a very recent thing. I swear this was like in the news recently, but clearly I was wrong. Okay. You just haven't paid attention to much since 2008. No, yeah. <laughs> Ben's like, um, so this Obama, guy re- this Obama guy looks really promising. Yeah, I just found out that Princess Diana died. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Peach's uh, princess, but- come on. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, George Carlin, uh, which this role, Rufus, they originally looked at a lot of other actors. They wanted Eddie Van Halen to play this uh, just to tie into, you know, the 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 music of this. And we'll get to some of the other future stuff where they wanted the whole entire future to be made up of, you know, these musicians playing these futuristic characters. They couldn't get Eddie Van Halen. The rumor is, which which if you read this online, they say it's because it would have cost them too much. I guarantee George Carlin costs as much as the special effects in this movie. Like, George Carlin was a big deal, so I doubt that it was just for that reason. Probably more because the role was too big and Eddie Van Halen does not know how to act. Uh, I don't know. Or play music. Confirm. <laughs> hey, you're knocking Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I'm joking. I know, like, two of their songs. It's all good. That's why we need Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Yes. Hello, Eddie, if you're listening. I know you're a big listener to the show. Uh, we're just, we're constantly trying to get sued. You know, I mean, Tom yeah, Cruise exactly. is gay, remember? So, you know, Eddie Van Halen can't Eddie play Van music. Hale. There we go. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen and Tom Cruise, they did, you know, have a little bit of gay sex once upon a time. Oh, a little um, bit. I saw the tape. <laughs> Oof. Jesus. That was, um, that created some rock music. <laughs> Made me want to jump. <laughs> Might as well jump. <laughs> Anyways. Go ahead and jump. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Apparently, at one point, they even wanted Sean Connery for this role. That could have worked. That I really would have loved to see Sean Connery as Bruce. (laughs) Whoa, excellent adventure, (laughs) dudes. I want to see Sean Connery and Bill and Ted. Yes. Pretty excellent to each other. (laughs) I do play a little. Most excellent. <laughs> See, this entire opening monologue is Sean Connery. <laughs> he didn't zan Oscar do anything. Like, come on, this is a step up. Bowling averages are way up. Mini golf scores are way down. <laughs> oh, there's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. We all miss Keanu Reeves and Sean Connery in a movie together. Wow. What is oh. it? I'm going to find out their Kevin Bacon number. Keep talking. Okay. So anyways, Rufus's opening monologue here sets up everything about this entire universe that's going to play in when we get to face the music in a couple of days, uh, which is just that this is the perfect future that they live in. Everything is perfect, uh, but it almost wasn't because it was the music of this band, Wild Stallions, that brought the world together and, 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 and unified all the countries and ended war and brought peace and, and even, you know, uh, reached out to communication with aliens from other worlds. It was <laughs> this absurd premise of a band's music saving the world, which is just amazing. Uh, but because they have to pass their history report, uh, 
the premise of the movie. Uh, if they fail, they'll never become a band because Ted will get shipped off to military school. So they have to sit. Now, there's all kinds of problems, which we won't even bother to poke into because this is clearly a ridiculous comedy. It's absurd. You don't need to break down. Well, you know, obviously, they didn't break up because the future existed. So how would you have to come back in time? Whatever. <laughs> the premise is they need to save them. So then you flash to Bill and Ted in the garage. They are practicing their band. They are really bad at playing. Um, they blow up their amps. They get into a conversation about what's it going to take to become a great band. Uh, they say, we need Eddie Van Halen. It would have been really great if Eddie Van Halen then showed up from the future. <laughs> Which I thought he was. I kept thinking that like we're going to get an Eddie Van Halen appearance in this movie. It, it would have made sense the amount of times oh, they mentioned him. We, we could rewrite it right now. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> They kind of talk in circles here as they're saying, you know, uh, we're never going to be a great band until we get Eddie Van Halen. It's like, we're never going to get Eddie Van Halen until we can have a decent video. It's like, we're never going to have a decent video until we get Eddie Van Halen. Just goes around and around. And then they both end with them just going, excellent, which <laughs> makes no sense. Now, the one thing I want to quickly talk about is the dialogue in this movie, which we'll get into more later on. But this is one of the things that I think sets it apart from like Wayne's World, Dumb and Dumber, Dude, Where's My Car, is they made a conscious decision in this movie. They wanted them to speak very intelligently. They wanted that if you were reading this without the dudes and without the excellence and the the boguses and all that stuff, that it would be like these two intellectuals talking. They use big words. They use big words correctly. Uh, <laughs> and it, it just makes the dialogue seem so much more fun to hear them saying these things. Uh, but you don't get that in their history class <laughs> as the teacher is quizzing, you know, who is um, uh, Napoleon or tell me more about Napoleon. And Bill's just like, he's dead. <laughs> and he's like, So what you're telling me is Napoleon was a short, dead dude. He goes, well, yeah. <laughs> and then as the class dismissed, because the, he doesn't mention that they have their final reports coming up that they all have to make. Uh, he pulls Bill and Ted aside. And they, <laughs> this is where some of that fun dialogue comes out now, uh, where they're trying to con their way into getting a good grade here. And they're like, we've learned that the world has great history. <laughs> it's just scamming so bad That's here. That's how I pass school, everyone. That's what I do. <laughs> well, and the, the best part here is that they're mentioning without great leaders such as, and they're just reading names on the blackboard, like Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, or Socratic Method. They mentioned Socratic <laughs> Method as a person, <laughs> which is great. Um, but uh, he basically says all that you showed me you've learned this year is that Caesar was a salad dressing dude uh, <laughs> we should also mention when Ted's called on in class they said who is Joan of Arc he responds Noah's wife yep. <laughs> which which, as we know is not true because Noah can't get a date so <laughs> yeah, that was my line don't <laughs> oh sorry sorry hang on just think will that ever happen <clears throat> Colin uh, sorry you had you were saying something well, I was going to say that, you know, Noah in history had a lot more success than Noah's a present day because Noah's a present day can't get dates. Very <laughs> thank you. Thank check. you. There's our one per episode. Yep. Two now. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Too far. Yeah. 9-11 uh, <laughs> joke coming soon. I'm still laughing at Socratic method here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are cramming with all these books. They're saying, you know, we need to pass this history report. Uh they go to Ted's house quickly. Uh, or we should say Missy, the stepmom of Bill, picks them up. <laughs> Which who, I get. It's, like, I, it's it's funny. But, like, is she meant to be, like, a year older than them and she just does old dudes? Like, is that the joke? She's Yeah, well, she's three years older. 
because they say here as she's picking them up and it's like, oh, it's your mom. Well, he always says, Missy, I mean, mom. And then you kind of get the background here. And Ted's like, remember when she was a senior and we were freshmen? <laughs> Shut up, Ted. <laughs> But yeah, this we'll we'll find a little bit more of this in the second movie. She's just really into older guys, uh, just makes her way around town, marrying the old guys. Uh, but she wants to be treated like a mom anyways. Uh, they quickly stop at Ted's house. Uh, Ted's dad's in there. Who uh, I just want to say, I can't remember the actor's name right here. I, I probably should because I asked him for an interview. But uh, <laughs> I tried to get this guy for an interview because he's, he's one of only four actors. Now, these four here are the ones who will appear in all three movies. Bill, Ted, Missy, and then Ted's dad. So Missy and Ted's dad are confirmed they're going to be in Face the Music. I thought, let's get Ted's dad on for an interview. Reached out to his people. They sent a polite rejection saying he's not doing any interviews right now. Sad. We should have tried for Missy instead. Hal Landon Uh, Jr. Hal Landon Jr., yes. Um, now, we, if we had tried for Missy, we know we would have gotten her because Missy will do anybody. Yeah. show. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say, we need our reputation spiked. I mean, if we get refused by Ted's dad, um, <laughs> I mean, how Landon Jr., like, it's all well and good to get, like, refused by Roger Moore or Sean Connery's people, yeah. but you're the podcast that couldn't even land how Landon Jr. <laughs> like, wow, we just lost some street cred. Uh, I just want to say that with Hal Landon Jr., I mean, he's... His character is just supposed to be kind of the dry, straight man in this movie. They have a lot of fun with him in the second movie, so I'm excited to see what they do with him in the third. Um, But he's lost his keys. Uh, Ted says he hasn't seen them. He starts saying, you know, oh, I had a conversation with the military academy today. Uh, You know, I'm going to be sending you there. Uh, Ted realizes the only way he's going to get out of this is if they pass their report. How are they going to do this? Um, We cut back to the future where uh, one of my favorite songs in any of these movies is playing the song Father Time uh, from Shark Island, the famous Shark Island band. Uh, I, I do want to say that uh, for anybody out there, there's a, there's a little app that I found called Cortify, which will take any song, any video that's on YouTube, and this app Cortify is linked to it. And if you put a song in there, it'll show whether it's been translated or not. And this app basically... We'll listen to the song. It takes about 60 seconds and it'll translate the music into chords. So this is how I've learned how to play a lot of songs in guitar. First thing I did when I discovered this app is I put in every song from Bill and Ted, uh, Excellent Adventure. So anybody out there who wants to play or has played uh, any of the songs from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you're welcome. Um, I took 60 seconds of my time to uh, plug those into that app. I just I just uh, really am now learning so much about you this episode that you used to sneakily get North Dakota television and now that you're actually a bit of a rocker yourself, Colin. Uh, <laughs> all because of Bill and Ted. <laughs> you, you, you like to jam it out. You like to go into that garage and, you know... Uh, you know, get the get the old ivory fingers going and just tickle tickle the bass or whatever the hell it's called. So good for you. I am I am Colin S. Hilding Esquire. Slapping the bass. If you've ever Slapping seen, I love I love that movie. <laughs> Why have we ever done? I love you, man. That's a great movie. Um, oh, we put that one on the list. I love that. Paul movie. Paul Rudmont. Where's Paul Rudmont? If we're doing Keanu Reeves month, we're doing Paul Rudmont. We'll do it for Ant Man three oh, if they ever make one. Yes, I think they are, aren't they? Didn't I read something the other day about that? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be down the pike in 2036 yeah. uh, at Marvel's rate. And it's fine. Paul Rudd doesn't age. So even when he's 80, he yeah. looks the same. So it's all good. He's oh. like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Let's Paul. just let's just add him to Bill and Ted 4. Oh, add Paul Rudd into anything. He is the, <laughs> the male Rene Russo. Uh, <laughs> add him into Blue is the Warmest Color. Yes. <laughs> I would watch it too. <laughs> 
Why not? Uh, Make him a Bond girl. <laughs> slap into base, Bond. Slap into base. My name is Pussy Galore. <laughs> Best Paul Rudd impersonation ever. Great. Yes. I was there. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd. <laughs> it's incredible. I didn't realize you were such a good impressionist of Paul Rudd. There he is. Yes. Paul Hello. Rudd I'm Paul Rudd. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's how he introduced To go with my dead on, hey, I'm Edward Furlong. I'm, I'm legitimately sure that when you meet Paul Rudd, that's what he says. He's like, hello, I'm Paul Rudd. Oh, there you are. Hello, Paul You sound like Colin Hilding. That's uncanny. <laughs> Anybody ever told you you sound like Colin Hilding? <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Paul Rudd. <laughs> Get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Their study session here is great, too, uh, as they're quizzing each other. Uh, they're talking about, uh, I think it's Abraham Lincoln here or George Washington. One of them. George I'm Washington. Not American. Um, uh, and it's like, one, born on President's Day. Two, the dollar <laughs> bill guy. <laughs> and then uh, Ted's attempt had wooden teeth and chased Moby Dick. And then Bill's like, that's Captain Ahab, dude. That's <laughs> so me. And they go into, hey, remember that ride, the Hall of Presidents? Yeah, what did Lincoln say? Welcome to the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, so uh, they have Missy interrupt them with, here's something that Jamie pointed out to me that has taken me 30 years, let's say, to figure out. Uh, and that's that she's serving them really burnt grilled cheese sandwiches here. Uh, I noticed that. Jesus, I'm well, smarter than Jamie. Look at me. As as a Canadian, to me, the way this is burnt only on one side looks a lot like something called a Nanaimo bar, which I'm sure you're oh, familiar with now. It's just up the road. Yeah, there you go. So if you've ever had a Nanaimo bar, they're definitely yeah. not hard. Like, because you hear it hitting the plate. I thought I always thought for years these were burned Nanaimo bars, but that's just the Canadian me. It's supposed to be a grilled cheese sandwich. Did you know, uh, random thing about Nanaimo bars, that um, there's a, the West Coast Baseball League here, like sort of a, you know, an NCAA league, plays through Oregon and BC and all that kind of stuff. But Nanaimo has just been announced to have a team next year. So they're, they're having two names. They're going to be called the Nanaimo Night Owls. As well as, uh, I think they play as the night hours during night games. And when they play during day games, they are the Nanaimo Bars. So, <laughs> true story. That is what they're called. And they've got a I logo really with a Nanaimo Bar. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, not the Day Owls. Uh, way better than that. Nanaimo's <laughs> a dump, by the way. It's like the Winnipeg of BC. So you know. I was in Nanaimo once as a kid. I can't tell you anything about it, though. I didn't know you'd been to the island, Colin Hilding. Oh, I, yeah, I, I was I, we spent probably a month in BC. We were in Abbotsford, but we traveled all over the place. Um, there you go. Yeah, uh, White Shell. Uh, I remember White Shell. I remember Victoria. Um, I remember we were in uh, Nanaimo. I can't tell you anything about it. And Kamloops was another one that yep. uh, made zero impression on me. Did you go to Kelowna? I've been to Kelowna. Kelowna, yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking of, Kelowna. Kamloops is, uh, I think, Saskatchewan. No, yeah, Kamloops, Kelo- is, Kamloops is BC. It's, it's sort it, of okay. north of Kelowna. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. We, neither made much of an impression on me, though. But uh. <laughs> Welcome to BC. We won't make an impression on you. <laughs> but you will catch coronavirus from us. <laughs> you will, because that's what's bad now. We have Ryan Reynolds and the Canucks. Nothing else. Moving on. <laughs> um. 
yeah, so Missy comes in to interrupt them. Bill's dad comes in, who Missy is married to. Uh, here's one of their fun lines of very intelligent dialogue where they say, we're uh, destined to flunk most egregiously tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and Bill's dad's just like, good, good. And he realized they're not paying attention to him. He's checking out his wife. Uh, he hands him some money and says, why don't you guys go get some snacks? And then as they walk out, Ted's like, now your dad's going for it in your own room. And you get this running gag of, shut up, Ted. And then he's like, remember when I asked your mom to the prom? Shut up, Ted! <laughs> uh, in the future, Rufus is getting in the phone booth. He's being told, it's time now. You have to go save them uh, to come back for Bill and Ted. Now, the three future people here, I only recently learned this. They wanted this to be the members of ZZ Top. Again, this idea that the future they would cast all the actors in the future would be these famous modern-day musicians. Uh, but they did get three famous, I guess, semi-famous musicians here. Uh, I'm not familiar with the the two ones. The main guy in the middle, who's the one that actually speaks throughout this movie, uh, the big guy, he is the saxophone player in Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Oh, uh, that's where he... Uh, knew him from somewhere. You knew him from somewhere, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is just setting up Rufus coming back in time. Uh, but uh, they're at the the Circle K here, which every time I see a Circle K, I always will drive past it or we'll pull in for gas and it'll be a Circle K. And I'll just turn to Jamie. I'll be like, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> so this is a legit brand. Uh, yeah. Brand. Okay. Yeah. I, it's, it, I'm guessing it's much bigger in America than is Canada. Like it's pretty rare you see a Circle K here in Canada. But there have been, you know, a few that I'll see even around Winnipeg every once in a while. Um, they're quizzing people in the parking lot ted says that the guy in that car just said that genghis khan was in the year 1275 or something like that they uh or marco polo uh a lady a cashier comes up and they're like do you know when the mongols ruled china she goes, i don't know i just work here <laughs> just blows them off <laughs> um and then the phone booth crashes uh and rufus gets out and they see this phone booth fall out of the sky with electricity all over the place a man steps out he says greetings friends and Ted just looks at him and says, do you know when the Mongols rule China? Which is great. <laughs> uh, he says, maybe we could ask them. Another phone booth lands. This is another version of Bill and Ted that step out. So now Bill and Ted are meeting Bill and Ted. They're basically saying, listen to Rufus. He knows what he's talking about. They go off and have a conversation with Rufus. Bill and Ted are like, you know, what's just happening here? The Ted from the future calls back and says, don't forget to wind your watch, which is going to be important. Ted looks at his watch and doesn't do it. Uh, as the other Bill and Ted leave, Rufus motions them into the phone booth, and they're basically saying, how do we know we could trust this guy? He says, well, we said that we could. He's like, what if we were lying? Why would we lie to ourselves? That that moment right there got such a big pop out of Jamie. Like, Jamie was nearly in hysterics just at Bill's, why would we lie to ourselves? I don't know why. It's not something that I ever really laughed at, but she loved that. Well, when you said pop, I thought you meant something else there. Like, I thought kind of uh, just Keanu Reeves movies. Keanu Reeves yeah. Too. Uh, yeah. Jamie popped big time uh, during the shirtless scene. Every every, was, every single time you watch a Keanu Reeves movie with Jamie, you're like, hands on your head, Jamie. Hands yeah, on yeah. your head. <laughs> Hold my hand, Jamie. Put the other hand. You know what's really weird, though? Like, okay, we, we'll cap this in a second. Let me just, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'll just quickly say what happens. So they get in the phone booth. They end up in, uh, uh, where is it? Austria, 1805. Uh, so this is during the Napoleonic War. Uh, I love that as they're out and they're looking around, uh, Ted just sort of waves as Napoleon's looking at him through a telescope. <laughs> and then they just leave immediately. Napoleon says to blow them up. Uh, there's an explosion. Napoleon flies through the air. 
the uh, phone booth uh, is going through these time circuits, all these tunnels everywhere in another dimension. Napoleon's just sort of trailing behind him because he got blown in. Uh, they land. Rufus gives him the quick rundown saying you can go anywhere you want with this. You can do whatever you want. But just remember the clock in San Dimas is always running. That's why the Winder watch was so important. So whatever time your report's going to be at, you need to be back here by then, which also doesn't make sense. But oh, well. In the background, you sort of see Napoleon's legs dangling. Uh, when Rufus uh, leaves in another phone booth, Bill and Ted have the new one at their disposal. Napoleon falls to the ground. They realize he's there. They're like, hey, maybe we could just collect people like him, which is going to set up the rest of the movie. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk here, and then I'll get on my Keanu Reeves story here. Well, the thing, again, that I said at the beginning that I like about this movie is that, like, some of it just does not make sense. Uh, but, like, you kind of don't care um, because it's it's painted in that way. It's like... Um, yeah, like sort of, the, it's not like a time travel movie where it's like, these are the rules, like back to the future, like don't disturb yeah. anything. Cause like, I'm thinking that like they've legitimately got Napoleon coming with them. It's like, wait, isn't that going to like affect history or something like that? But again, like yeah. this, you don't need to think about that too much because realistically, you know, this is what that movie is. The one, the one thing, the only thing that I think that kind of was like, huh, that's a bit silly, uh, is the fact that it's like if you don't get an A on your history, you will fail. Like, it's kind of so, how are they doing in the other classes? Like, is it just like, why is it just history? Like, is, shouldn't part two be like, you need to learn math? Um, because Are they like biology geniuses and yeah. history is their only failing subject? Maybe. And like, I also, like, I, it actually makes sense now why America is so obsessed with the military because clearly all their kids suck and they all get sent to military school because this is like a a thing that happens in movies and tv shows isn't it in america it's like if you do this we'll send you to military school like does yeah. anybody willingly ever just go join the military in the u.s like it just <laughs> it seems to be like they, this is punishment if they ended the draft and they just let the parents choose from now on yeah <laughs> we're not going to draft your kids you just put them in there if you're willing yeah yeah and it's like it's just it just seems to be a thing so you know um but it's it's interesting you're talking before about how like the dialogue and everything like i feel like when you compare it to these other kind of dumb dudes movies that this almost you, i don't know you feel more for these characters is that the right word because like you kind mm. of like they're doing this for i mean not that they don't do it for genuine reasons in wayne world dumb and dumber and dude where's my car but like I don't know, like, I feel like, say, Dumb and Dumber is out of those three movies the one I know the best. Like, you never, I guess, completely sympathise with Harry or Lloyd, do you? Like, it's kind of, yeah. it's, it's all played for laughs completely. Whereas here, like, I kind of almost feel like these are kind of like, oh, two simple guys, you kind of feel for them, like, you'd want to be their friends. Um, whereas, like, Harry and Lloyd sometimes are just dicks. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's funny. Uh, like the one or two scenes where it's kind of played for emotional moments, it then gets ripped away straight away. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like that's kind of how I feel with this, with that. But, um, yeah, I, I <laughs> the whole Missy thing, like just this teenager just sleep. Cause like, then she like, hi, say hi to this teacher for me and say hi to this. Like, Jesus, this isn't playing well in 2020. Um, <laughs> So, and yeah, the dad rejected by Hal Landon Jr. That's going to be on our uh, <laughs> that a T-shirt. We will literally put the words from the email on. That it'll just be rejected by Hal Landon Jr. Oh, Lord. Wow. We're never living that down. Um, I didn't actually realize he was, a, I thought he was in the military because like he was wearing a, his jacket 
I thought said some sort of military thing on it. So I did, it was only sort of towards the end when I realized he was actually a cop. Um, but even him, he's just like, I've had enough with you. You're going to go to military school. Cause he's like failed one class. Like again, like how bad are these kids at school? <laughs> like, Well, plus they're seniors. Yeah. So, so, okay. Let's say they fail. Can his dad send him to military school? He, he's surely going to be turning 18 within a couple of months. Yeah. Can he say no when he's 18? Probably. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, it's, I, I kind of, I love all the setup and everything with it. It's, it's, it's fun. I'm into this movie very, very early on. And can I just say that both Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, great facial actors, great normal oh, actors yeah. too. Not just, I'm not saying they're bad non-facial actors, but they've just got a way about kind of selling their characters with their facial expressions. I know people rip into Keanu Reeves as like the whoa guy, but like, there's just something believable about him as like a teenager of this age and kind of how he does it. And Alex Winter too. Alex Winter's really good. And were they both teenagers or how old were they at this point? Do we do uh, early, very early twenties maybe? Okay, so believable, believable teenagers. Yeah. So yeah, and the the teacher guy. So that's Mr. Bernie Ryan. Casey, who mm-hmm. was uh, he? Did he? Yeah, I'm looking. He actually played in the NFL. Uh, oh, did he? He's been in other things too, hasn't he? Like he's our oh, Revenge of the Nerds. There's... Oh, we gotta contact him for a rejection letter. Uh, well, you could, but uh, you might want to go on a time machine and contact him three years ago before he died. So, oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, get in your phone booth. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying everything. I'm enjoying everything here with, with this. It's it's good. It's great. I like it. Now I want to hear Keanu Reeves' story. Uh, well, I'll get to in a second. Just looking at their ages here. Now, this movie was delayed for two years. Uh, this is kind of the new mutants of the time. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Now, the time they filmed this, it would have been like 1987. Um, but when it was supposed to be released in 88, the uh, I guess the, the distributor kind of went bankrupt. So they had to wait for a year to release it. Uh, so Alex Winter would have been 22 when they filmed this movie and Keanu Reeves would have been 23. Uh, but here, here's the thing. Anybody who's listened to this podcast, especially if you listen to uh, our John Wick ones where uh, talking about John Wick 2 put Jamie in labor. Uh, <laughs> and talking Jamie's... about John Wick 2 got her pregnant. So it was kind of a nice <laughs> exactly. bookend. Uh, Jamie's love for Keanu Reeves is unequaled. Um, like nobody comes even close. Uh, she just said to me last night, it's like, how is it that I don't have a Keanu Reeves t-shirt? I'm like, there are tons out there. Like I will find you one. I have no problem with, you know, my wife, worshipping the ground that Keanu Reeves walks on more than she worships me uh, because he's Ted. That's fine by me. Uh, (laughs) But funny enough, she made zero comments during this movie about Keanu Reeves' physical appearance or anything. No problem with him. She loves Keanu Reeves in any movie, Uh, maybe just because she's seen it a million times. But it was Alex Winter that (laughs) got her attention to this movie, which is weird. Uh, Now, I don't want to paint jamie in any negative light these are all grown adults but playing teenagers but we just watched a movie i just showed her for the first time a matthew broderick's big big breakthrough movie called war games uh which was a big movie from the early 80s where a kid hacks into a computer and almost starts world war three uh and matthew broderick playing a teenager she was very appreciative of more so than ferris bueller uh <laughs> she's very appreciative and then watching this movie uh, she was she was asking, it's like, no, I know women love Keanu Reeves. What about the other guy? I'm like, Alex Winter? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really heard anybody say anything about him positive or negative. And then I'm just sort of like, why? What's your opinion? She goes, he's all right. And just sort of said nothing else. And it was like five minutes later. She goes, maybe it's just something about me getting older now. But 
I'm kind of into this guy. <laughs> Why? It's like, I don't know. He just looks like he'd be really dirty and nasty. <laughs> He's a 17 year old boy in this movie. What's he doing? He's turning into me. She like, is. <laughs> Jesus. Pleasure your wife more, Colin. She's so horny. I don't know. thing. There is no. If you want to pleasure Jamie, you show her point break. You show her speed. <laughs> you show her the Matrix replacements. This, this, this is literally wife. how Colin gets laid. Like, like oh, <laughs> like Colin doesn't do the regular things. Like he doesn't. You know, Jamie comes home. There's candles and a dinner and kind of I put the kids to bed. I've cleaned up for you. None of that kind of stuff. It's literally, hey Jamie, want to watch Point Break? <gasps> We're gonna have sex tonight, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> Oh, and with John Wick, I'm not even involved. <laughs> Jamie, you're on your own. <laughs> John Wick, so Colin, give me some batteries. Oh, I said, when the twins were born, um, this again, just showing you what a big deal it must have been that Alex Winter got her attention in this movie and not Keanu Reeves, even though she'd seen it. Um, when when the twins were born, uh, for the most part, I was sleeping on the couch because you're feeding babies constantly. And Jamie was, I don't want to, I'm not an absentee father. Not, because some people actually took it that way. They're like, oh yeah, Jamie's the one who's up feeding the babies all night. Well, A, I was working. Uh, you know, she was with the babies all the time. And B, Jamie can fall asleep doing anything. She would fall asleep breastfeeding babies. Uh, it would not bother her at all to wake up six times throughout the night. Me, if I f- wake up for 10 seconds, I'm up for the whole night. So, for the first two, three months, I think I slept on the couch every single night and she was in here with the babies. There were times where I couldn't watch Netflix because Jamie was watching John Wick on Netflix or Amazon or wherever it was literally every single night. She went to bed with Keanu Reeves more often than she went to bed with me after the twins are born. She clearly uh, was frustrated that month, Colin. You should have been helping your wife. Like, it is your duty as a, as a husband to, like, it's it's the other way around usually. It's usually the husband like, honey, we never have sex anymore. It's your wife that's in that position. Come on. I've driven her into the arms of another man. You really have. <laughs> but again, if you came home and she was in bed with Keanu, what side of the bed do you get in? Oh, you know, I would just take a picture. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> and watch. I'm not even clever. Listen, I'm not worthy. <laughs> Let me just take this picture and I'll be on my way. Hey, Hugh Jackman, you're here too. Let's go into the other room. <laughs> Henry Cavill, what are you doing here? <laughs> Tickle me mustache. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jamie's holy trio. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the movie here. Uh, one of my favorite... Unsung heroes is introduced in the next scene. What are they going to do with Napoleon? Because Napoleon's knocked unconscious. Well, they go to look for everybody else. They give him to Deacon, <laughs> little brother of Ted. <laughs> Deacon is so good. Uh, such a small character. I, I remember in the animated series, they made Deacon like a little kid, but he's obviously supposed to be like 12 or 13 here or something like that. Uh, you know, he's dating two twins at the same time. Like he, he's he's an older kid, let's say. Uh, but it's just, he's got like two lines in this movie and each line he has just makes you laugh so hard. Uh, so they're introducing Napoleon to Deacon. Now, I love every time this movie can show other characters not seeing it through this, the simplistic eyes of Bill and Ted. So they're just like, this is Napoleon. He was a great leader. He's a war general. And everybody else is reacting the way we would. Like, this is not Napoleon. Like, who is this guy? Why do you have a guy dressed up in Napoleon that's unconscious? But they just explain it as if it's the real thing, which is part of the humor of this movie. And Deke is just like giving them the eyes back and forth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like, here's some money. Take him to the movies or something. <laughs> it's just so funny. And then when Napoleon starts to wake up, 
they're hovering over him, Bill, Ted, and Deacon. Like, this is Ted's little brother, Deacon. He's going to watch out for you. And Deacon just sort of awkwardly, hey. (laughs) (laughs) The way he waves and goes, Hey, I, so I feel awkward. you're appreciating this character way much more than uh, I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I love Deacon. He's yeah. got three lines. Should have been rejected by him. <laughs> I, I, I think I prefer Napoleon, but uh, okay. Oh, we're going to get to my, my, my other favorite in a second. Uh, anyways, they're trying to leave the house now that he's in the safe hands of Deacon. Um Ted's dad is saying, you know what? I'm sending you to military school. You're packing your bags. You're one of them. This is the end of the school year. They're doing their 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 last report before the end of the school year. Is there a military academy that starts up their semester at the end of June? I don't know. It's America. Uh, but They're anyways. always school for the <laughs> yeah, military. Exactly. Come on. Military academy is 24-7, <laughs> 365. Uh, but he's not letting Ted out. So as he's guardian, Bill's in the phone booth and he calls into the house. This is Deputy Van Halen down at the station. <laughs> we found your keys, dude. I mean, sir, if you want them, you better come and get them. So now Ted's dad's leaving because he thinks they found her keys. This gives Ted the opportunity to slip out. They're in the phone booth. Where should we go? They go to the Old West. So this is where they the, the sequence where they start to collect all the historical figures. Billy the Kid is the first one. Uh, they, they go into this 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 saloon. Uh, they order two beers, and I love their reaction. He didn't even card us, dude. <laughs> um, so Billy the Kid walks in and says he needs two men. Doesn't even say what for. Ted's like, we're with you, Billy the Kid. Uh, they end up playing cards with him against other people. Uh, quickly, it's realized that they're that Billy the Kid at least is cheating. Uh, before that, I love the moment where where Bill has this really really serious expression, and Ted's got that goofy grin. You mentioned the facial acting; like this is a perfect example of how good their facial acting is in this movie. And if there's one complaint that you'll see online about a lot of people with Bill and Ted face the music, it's that Keanu Reeves has a John Wick expression the whole time; like he's he's not reacting. I think people you don't realize how much of an impact that facial acting means until you take it away in a two minute trailer and the world loses their mind saying, Oh, that's not Ted. He's not smiling. He's not making goofy faces, but, but it really does work in this movie. Uh, so you got to have a poker face like me. And then Ted puts on like this dead serious expression, which is really funny. Uh, the guys start a fight when they realize Billy, the kid is cheating them. There's a bar fight. Bill and Ted get thrown across the bar. Their heads go into a wall where they see what I guess is supposed to be the woman's change room. Uh, I love when Billy the Kid pulls them out and Ted just tries to put his head back in. <laughs> just a nice subtle joke. Uh, they escape uh, or, or by basically saying, look, it's a Goodyear blimp. And then they give wedgies to the guys. <laughs> like this movie is so stupid, so absurd, but it's so funny to to see these historical characters in this scenario. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Billy the Kid's thankful that they're uh, saving his life. So he hops in the phone booth, doesn't know what he's doing. They end up landing in ancient Greece. Uh, so now they're getting the real star of this movie, which is not Socrates. It's Socrates. Uh, just the fact that they repeatedly call him Socrates in this movie, they screw up a lot of the names, but when they're hand, hand, or I guess hang outside this, you know, temple, whatever it is, and they hear the name Socrates, they're like, uh, he's famous, isn't he? And they try to look him up in the history books and they say, oh, he's under Socrates. And this becomes the running gag that they know his name is Socrates, but they think it's supposed to be Socrates. Like somebody else is pronouncing it wrong. Um, and uh, they read this, this I guess, line that Socrates once had, the, the uh, wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Like, that's us, dude. 
So they go and they try to get him. So Socrates is philosophizing, as they refer to it in this movie. And Bill and Ted just walk up and get just the visuals of these two California, you know, rocker guys walking in as Socrates (laughs) before an audience like, how's it going, man? (laughs) And he's just mouth wide open. This guy that plays Socrates is so brilliant. This is what my profile picture was meant to be. His mouth's always gaping wide open. Uh, He has no idea what Bill and Ted are doing there. They're trying to philosophize with him. So Ted says, all we are is dust in the wind, dude, quoting a famous song. And then they're trying to illustrate it to him. They're like, dust, they pick it up. Wind, they blow it. They're like, dude, they pointed him. And Socrates is like, oh, oh, <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. And then he starts laughing. And he gets Socrates just, ah, <laughs> as Bill and Ted are like fake laughing along with him, slapping on the back. <laughs> they all walk out laughing. Then they cut to the best facial expression of this movie. Now, if you didn't catch this, you owe it to yourself to go back and look at when they land in the medieval times here. And you see Socrates' reaction right after landing in the phone booth the first time. It is – you can't even describe it. It is so hilarious, the look on his face. I'm looking at it now, uh, mouth open, sort of like – But again, they're not drawing attention to it. It's just a background thing. It's so great. Some of these you, characters they have here are so good. And, you know, I don't I don't even know who these actors are. I mean, are they, I'm sure there are people who would reject us if we asked them for a podcast interview too, but (laughs) these people are just so brilliant without having hardly, most of them don't speak English in the movie, hardly any lines. And and they're just amazing. Like Socrates is the best one here. If you had to pick before we even move on, who's your favorite of all the historical figures in this movie? I like Napoleon and Abraham Lincoln. Unpopular opinions, but uh, I I also like Napoleon, this little French dude who just goes bowling (laughs) and eats a giant thing of ice cream and loves water slides. (laughs) I mean, it's the scenarios they put them that are so good. I thought you were going to say Joan of Arc because she was a teenage girl, uh, but eh. um, she got short hair, Colin. No, oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was Winona Ryder for the entire thing, but apparently she was in the band The Go Go's. So she was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was another one of their musicians. Um, funny here, just looking at Tony Steedman, who plays Socrates in this movie. Uh, he was in War and Peace, a miniseries in 1972-1973, which I believe is the footage they use of the Napoleonic War at the beginning of this movie. They, they use stock footage from War and Peace. Hmm. Um, other than that, he was in Scrooge as the head waiter. I do remember him in that. Uh, and other than that, he was in an episode of the Golden Girls. Um, as as but, one of the Golden Girls. He was a fill-in. Yes, as Betty White. Uh, <laughs> P. Arthur. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, these people are all great. Now, this is the only one of the – most of this section of the movie is – Let's go to historical time. We're going to spend 30 seconds seeing just how they pick these people up. But this is the one section of the movie where it's it's a real story happening here. So the land of the medieval times, Billy the Kid is supposed to watch after Socrates. If you see them playing football on the background like again, that. some <laughs> hilarious, you know, Socrates trying to catch a football. Uh, they're debating about who they should pick up. Uh, let's take, take that gnarly goat dude is a great line. Uh, and here's another one of those brilliant intelligent lines just spoken by bill and ted is so funny excuse me do you know are there are any personages of historical significance around here <laughs> along with when they land they say billy the kid you're dealing with the oddity of time travel with the greatest of ease uh, so they, they end up seeing these princesses up in a balcony those must be the princesses you told yourself about so they determine they're going to take the princesses um 
the next time you see them, they're in full armor in the castle, hiding in the the knight's armor suit, and uh, they it, are playing Star Wars here uh, as they're sword fighting. I'm Darth Ted, and I'm Luke Bill, and you're not my father. <laughs> uh, they sword fight and get too rough and Ted falls down the stairs. Here is the most implausible thing in the movie because what happens is Ted falls down the stairs. Bill tries to go down, but then he sees some other soldiers are down there and they stab this, what they think is Ted, the suit through the chest. And eventually you find out that Ted just rolled out of the suit when he hit the floor and the suit perfectly assembled itself back <laughs> together. Uh, but still, it's a fun moment as Ted, uh, Bill thinks that Ted is dead. When he sees the guy who stabbed him, he screams, You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed! <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Right there. Yes. Let's make that one. You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> um, anyways, as Bill's fighting this guy and about to kill himself, Ted hits him over the head with something. Uh, so Ted explains that he you know, wasn't dead. He fell out of the suit when he hit the floor. They hug each other. And then they call each other the one line in this movie that is not going to be repeated in 2020. Uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't age well, that line. They say it in the second one, too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, hey, it was 1989. It was okay to give out homosexual slurs yeah. uh, to each other. In a way, though, it, it doesn't feel as offensive as it should because it's just Bill and Ted saying it, but not justifying it, but still it's funny. The one line in the movie that won't make its uh, way now, I'm surprised they we, haven't we know, cut it out. We know both Bill and Ted movies are going to be banned when they have Gay Lives Matter marches in streets in uh, yeah, exactly. like next year or something yes. like that. Or they'll, or they'll start putting like a, a contextual warning in front of the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this movie contains outdated references that may be offensive to some. We have to go back uh, to a lot of Oz Network and Survivor Oz episodes, don't we? <laughs> we are going to be busy in the coming months when people finally discover them. Shit. Wait till Noah Lives Matter starts. Oh, and then Lord. We're- Noah Lives Matter. Wow. That's a movement coming soon. Uh, there's another t-shirt, Noah Lives Matter. <laughs> I just want a picture of... I need to find that picture of Noah like when he was fat and like put it on that. <laughs> Not fat. That's mean. Sorry, I was fat. Noah was big bone. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Thank you. What ben. would it say? Like dateless since twenty thirteen yeah. or something. <laughs> but like in all seriousness, Noah is is skinny, ripped. He's he's a good looking rooster. Girls, go out and date Noah, please. He needs it. <laughs> if only he were living in a white country, he'd be appreciated. He would. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> hang on. It'll be cut. <laughs> you wanted me to cut that? What just happened? <laughs> I, I was simply saying Noah possibly is standing hang on, out. Hang on. Back up. Back up. In the 10 or so years that we've been doing this, Colin, I've said racist things. Noah, well, we say yes. I don't think he really has. Well, he was the one who said that racist thing that people thought I said. Anyway, I, I don't think you've ever said anything racist until now. I'm so being racist to Noah, <laughs> who is of the same race of me. <laughs> Bill and Ted, moving on, quickly. Uh, <laughs> people aren't listening. Anyways, here's where they find the princesses. Um, uh, they say that they're going to be married to horrible men. Uh, and this is supposed to be King Henry. The, is it which one? King Henry V? Well, King Henry VIII? Don't, know. Don't ask me history questions. It's a, a King Henry. A and these are his king. Daughters. 
Yes, named Henry. Um, but uh, this is where they get the line when when the the king and all the the soldiers come face to face with him. We get that. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? <laughs> great. And I love their introductions here. I am the Earl of Preston, and I am the Duke of Ted. <laughs> this this sequence reminded me so much of Black Adder. Yeah, like just this humor that is modern day humor in this medieval time. It, it just felt so much like Black Adder. Uh, they end up saying they're going to execute them, put them in the Iron Maiden because it's the name of a band named Iron Maiden. They're like, excellent. And then they're like, execute them. They're bogus. Um, so they end up basically being put in the position where they're about to be beheaded. And um, uh, you have the guy, what was it, tied up the phone booth, uh, who's screaming. It's like, I saw it all. They came out of the sky. They had fire in their eyes and horns. Another part that Jamie was laughing hysterically at. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, as they're about to get their heads chopped off, the ropes get cut instead, and you realize the executioners are Billy the Kid and Socrates. Seeing Socrates take off an executioner's robe and high-five a teenage boy <laughs> is why this movie is so good <laughs> still to this day. Uh, they escape on the carriage with the phone booth in the back. Um, they're trying to dial a number, but literally just pounding keys, trying to dial any number he can. They say, I'm sorry, the, the number you have dialed is not in service. Uh, please check your directory and dial again. Party on, dude. So the, the, this is going to set up in the future the whole Bill and Ted taking over civilization. Uh, they finally get a number, and as they're escaping, if you watch really closely, you can see this, this mace that hits the antenna uh, just as they go into the time circuits. They eventually land in the future. So here's where... They're going to realize that they're gods, uh, as we see the same three people, uh, this council that sent Rufus back in time, who are shocked that it's them. The song playing here is actually my favorite song on the soundtrack, In Time, uh, another one that you can find on Cordify, uh, thanks to me. <laughs> and Network, um, sponsored by Cordify. <laughs> but I love that, that, that they're appreciating the, sure do play excellent music here. <laughs> and it's their music, of course. Uh so these future people are like, it's you. And they're like, yeah, it's us. And they don't know what's going on. They're like, maybe we should say something. So that, I don't know, just say whatever comes to your head. And then that's when they say, be excellent to each other. And everybody's like, oh, oh party on, dudes. Oh. And those, of course, the famous Bill and Ted lines, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Uh, and you realize that this right here is what their future is built on. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Um, but the scenes played sincerely. This is why I get what you're saying about how you feel for these characters more because there's a sincerity with it where everything else in this movie is a joke. You know, having Billy the Kid uh, and Socrates and Genghis Khan in this history report and, you know, Genghis Khan tearing apart Sporting Goods Store and Sigmund Freud trying to pick up girls, it's all played for laughs. But when it does come down to Bill and Ted as these future heroes, every time there's a scene like that, it's done with sincerity, and this is a perfect example. Like this scene is not a joke in any way. You're actually supposed to be like, "Oh yeah, they really are worship." Like it, it's 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 done so well. Um, they end up saying, "Sorry, we got to go back to get to our history report." After all, it's a history report, not a future report, and everybody gives a oh, <laughs> everything they say is funny. Uh, so they go back now. I, I do wonder these future council, these three, you know, the, the E Street Band guy and the other two. Uh, they were literally just in an empty room sitting there, which is where they were the last time found. Did they just, is that their job? Do they just sit there? Like, are they meditating? Yes. What is their job? I don't, I, I mean, this is, you got to think about the future 
of uh, society if they're like everything's based on these two like great but like I mean these people are almost like slaves aren't they like I mean they're just kind of <laughs> sitting in this thing like you know staring at something and then you've got all these people zoned in as zombies like coming in and playing guitar it's kind of like well is this the future we want I mean, you know people will meditate to sounds of running water and everything now maybe this is just what they meditate to in the future and they just meditate all the time yeah we'll find out a little bit more about the future in the next movie but uh Question to be answered and face the music in a couple days. Yes. Uh, so they cut back to San Dimas. Uh, we get Napoleon here at the ice cream restaurant with Deacon and his twin girls. Uh, one of Deacon's three lines in the movie, it's ice cream. You eat it. It's just, it's his his really dull delivery of everything that, that I love Deacon with. So maybe I'm completely alone in this, but he's just, everything he says is so funny. Yeah, you're completely uh, alone. I'm sorry. Usually I'm here to back you up on the <laughs> random characters. I just, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm not saying I don't like him, but like he didn't stand out to me. And, and until you it's talk Deacon. about him, I forget that he's even in this movie. This is the Ian Summerholder of the Bill and Ted oh, universe. Oh, get off it. That's offensive to Ian Summerholder. Uh, um, but yeah, Napoleon at the restaurant, he doesn't even know what ice cream is. Uh, and, and again, this all ties together as part of the story. Like, I think one of the things I appreciate about this movie, their history report's supposed to be, how would these historical figures view the world we live in today? And they throw these little things in here that actually do tie into that. Would he like ice cream or whatever? Um, and they, they cut later on. They bring him, the, the waiters bring him this giant mountain of ice cream. Uh, this restaurant called the Ziggy Piggy, which... <laughs> Uh, one of my mom's favorite parts of the entire movie is right here as Napoleon finishes the ice cream and they all come up to congratulate him. He ate the pig. They're like, ziggy, 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 zig. And they all do the snorting <laughs> as they put this pin on him, this pin, this ribbon uh, for successfully eating it. Uh, my mom always loved the ziggy piggy sequence, especially Napoleon digging in and licking the ice cream off the table with his finger. Uh, but these two waiters here, the ziggy piggy waiters, these are the screenwriters, uh, Matheson and um, uh, Solomon. Uh, and they'll appear in the next movie, which um, it, it, I'll probably forget because we're only going to be talking briefly in the next movie. But they're two, the two seance guys in the second movie. So right. I'm excited to see what their cameo is going to be in the third one. Um, then they're going to start picking up all the characters here. Uh, so this is the montage of Bill and Ted uh, getting everybody else. They land and they find Sigmund Freud or they call him Frood. Analyze this. Uh, analyze this. Analyze this. Oh, <laughs> you ruined Sigmund Freud for me. I used to have fond memories as a child of Sigmund Freud, otherwise known as Siggy, uh, and now you've ruined him for me with Madonna. Yeah, uh, they. Yeah. Let's skip past this character. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, Billy the Kid ropes Sigmund Freud into a phone booth. Um, next sequence is Beethoven at some type of recital, and um, they come up and they pick up his bench as he's playing and take him away. They're all very short sequences. We get Joan of Arc here, you know, the, the bass player or whatever from the Go-Go's uh, who's praying. And then the phone booth appears and she thinks it's a sign from God. So she gets in. Then we get the best one, Genghis Khan, trying to, I'm guessing, I mean, he's eating meat and maybe potentially about to have sex. Uh, and the phone booth Jamie. shows up and they... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jamie's like, oh, this Genghis Khan guy, really dirty. I'm kind of into him. <laughs> Best life ever, eating meat and having sex. The Jamie Hilding story. <laughs> and seeing Keanu Reeves fall from the sky. <laughs> uh, but they hold a Twinkie out to lure him in. Twinkie, say please. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Basically, Genghis Khan like an ape in this movie. 
Uh, and then finally we get Abraham Lincoln uh, as they knock on his door and he opens it and they pull him into the phone booth. We see them all traveling through time. They have to stand up. Jamie said at the beginning of the movie, how do they all fit in this phone booth? We see here they're actually standing in it sideways uh, with their heads popping out. Which they, they think don't do wrong. later, which is a bit... They don't. Yeah. No, you really have to question later how yeah. they all fit in the phone booth. Uh, but they realize that there's something wrong with the antenna. Uh, now we get the the bowling sequences. Um, Napoleon tries cheating at bowling. Uh, Deacon eventually gets tired of him, so he ditches him. Uh, Napoleon is forced or stuck with the bill, and he gets thrown out. So Napoleon is now on his own. Uh, I love how sad he is as he cries with Deacon. <laughs> He's left on his own, dark night, and. Uh, the where are we at now um oh yeah so they're now in 10,000 bc or 100,000 bc or something like that they're trying to repair the phone booth everybody's having a snack pudding cup this is pudding cups had the the tins on it they're using the tins to try to repair the antenna bill makes it worse uh they reassemble it by all chewing gum again just the visual of seeing abraham lincoln trying to chew bubble gum you gotta see it to believe it and uh, <laughs> as they're all passing the gum along to make the wad bigger and bigger so they could reattach the antenna. I love that Ted's the last one. He he picks up a handful of everybody else's gum and just sticks it in his mouth to get his own on there. It's fantastic. Uh, they eventually get it back together. The phone booth is working again. And they end up back at last night. So now this is the scene that they met themselves on uh, where they're now the future Bill and Ted's talking to the old Bill and Ted. Uh, they go out and they're like, what should we say? I don't know. And then they go out and they're having the same conversation, but from the other side. And now we get to see the other side of the Rufus conversation when earlier Bill and Ted were basically saying, why would we lie to ourselves? Uh, the now future Bill and Ted are saying, Rufus, we got tons of time left. We got 10 hours. And Rufus is like, no, you got two hours left. And then you have to remember your, your, your watch. And he's like, oh, you forgot to wind your watch. And Ted, of course, like, well, I better remind myself again. <laughs> and that's when he says, Ted, don't forget to wind your watch, which he should already know he's not going to do, but he doesn't. Uh, they get in the phone booth. They say, catch you later, Bill and Ted. You can hear the people bickering in the background like, oh, you're standing on me. Abraham Lincoln grumbling, you're standing on my feet. <laughs> they even say something about uh, Lincoln, you're too tall, man. <laughs> this is just some fun you know, background dialogue here. I love Ted saying that conversation way, way made way more sense this time. Um, and uh, they're going to land. Let's, let's just quickly do this uh, sequence here when they land in the yard. Cause this is one of the best <laughs> lines. I, if you're going to call it one line of dialogue is they land is Missy's gardening and they all come on the phone booth. And again, the other characters just realizing the absurdity when Bill and Ted doesn't a phone booth landed on her garden hose and they have all these people dressed as historical figures from her perspective coming out and they're introducing them not want to say the real names so they're like this is socrates johnson <laughs> ermine the kid <laughs> bob genghis khan dennis frude maxine of arc um who, who am i missing here uh abraham lincoln right yeah okay <laughs> So just all those names, Dave Beethoven and Ermin the Kid, uh, so great. Did I miss any of the characters there? Um, uh, Beto, did he say Beto? He said Dave, Dave Beethoven. Yeah, <laughs> Beethoven. Yeah, uh, Beethoven, yeah, oh, they're butchering the names. Uh, he asks for a ride to the mall. She says, I'm not going anywhere till you do your chores. So now they're all going to pitch together to do the chores. It's a cheesy sequence here, but it's fun. Some of the little gags they have is all the historical figures help Bill clean the house. Uh, Genghis Khan 
cleaning the toilet and then brushing his hair with the toilet brush is my favorite along with Sigmund Freud vacuuming out the couch and then putting the vacuum hose to his mouth and sucking his mouth out. Great stuff. Uh, just a fun little sequence there. And we'll we'll cap it there before we get into the final act of the movie. There's a scene uh, when they're in the medieval part and they're rushing back to the phone booth and they're, you know, uh, they're trying to get it and it's not working. Um, if you're familiar with all the many Keanu Reeves memes out there, uh, the the fa- I think probably the first one, the famous one, was the sort of the whoa, like the look yeah. on his face. Um, so that that's that screenshot from that scene. As soon as I saw, it, I'm like, hey, that's that famous meme. Say <laughs> so, dial faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing actually, and I don't know if this is more of a thing to talk about in our next episode, but it's interesting you were mentioning before about the facial expressions, like what people were criticizing Keanu Reeves for in in the trailer for Face the Music. Um, that. It, it's a similar thing to, and this is how I feel Face of Music's going to be. Um, it's going to be a very similar thing to Dumb and Dumber 2, that it's sort of, you have such a a memory of what they look like because you've watched the movie so yeah. many times. I'm sure that's the same with you for these. That when you do kind of see them as older people that are trying to sort of be like how they were in the olden movies, it does feel a little bit odd. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, this isn't what I was picturing it to be because a lot of time has passed. So that to me was definitely, I remember seeing the first trailer for Dumb and Dumber 2 going, whoa, okay, this isn't (laughs) Harry and Lloyd. What's going on? And even that movie, which is not the best movie, but it's not as bad as some people say it is. It's got its moments. Definitely doesn't hold a candle to the original because they are older and it doesn't feel the same. So I kind of feel like that's going to be what Bill and Ted face music is going to be. Mm. But that's for for the next episode. But um, I I it's weird how they get Abraham Lincoln. Like, shouldn't they be getting George Washington? Because they were talking about George Washington before. Like, well, I think they were talking about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln because uh, it was Lincoln where they uh, I think said the welcome to the Hall of Presidents. But George Washington was the dollar bill guy. The 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 bit when they were talking about the dollar bill guy it just reminded me of cause I, maybe because I've watched it in the last week is a night at the Roxbury. <laughs> it's like, have you met my friend? Abraham Lincoln and his yeah. friend George Washington and also his friend George Washington <laughs> just like bangs it onto uh, Michael Clark Duncan's clipboard. Oh, love that movie. Um, yeah, it's just I kind of I like the honest trailer where they're basically like you know oh yeah hi they're basically kidnapping historical figures without uh, any. Yeah. <laughs> but again, going back to my point about what makes this movie fun is that you don't have to think about these things too much because it's like. I feel like we would generally be in a movie like this going like, oh, well, how come they're just so going along with time travel and they're not fighting it? It's like, well, that's what makes it fun that you've got like mm-hmm. Napoleon who doesn't speak English, clearly. is just like eating ice cream at Ziggy Piggy. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got Socrates, Socrates, basically just getting in a time machine with Billy the Kid um, and just Beethoven, just all these kind of things. It's just It just makes it fun and just, you know, just check your brain at the door because that's just what makes it funny. Um, it would have been interesting if they had gotten Hitler, though. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Genghis Khan isn't he as bad as Hitler? Like, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and, and when we get to the report, he's the one that everybody screams and goes crazy for. Yeah. So teenagers would have loved Hitler. And come on, Sigmund Freud. We were all singing "Die Another Day." Don't lie. Uh, <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> I can't play it on this episode. Stupid, stupid <laughs> rules that we have on this. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, that I find interesting about this movie is that, like, unlike the second one, like, yeah, okay, the stakes are that they've got to get back before a certain time, otherwise he's going to be sent to military school, but 
there's not really an antagonist in this film and it's kind of, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, and if you were to pick it apart, like, does that make it a bad thing? I don't think so. Like, I think kind of it just makes it fun and just kind of you go along with it, you know. It's sort of, um, there's, you don't really feel like there's a lot of stakes, even though there are, because, you know, we don't want him to go to military school. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something fun about it that you don't need to sort of worry about with all that. So, yeah, but... Um, Again, I don't really have a whole lot to kind of pick apart because, I again, I'm enjoying everything about this. I, I'm sorry that I don't like um, What's-His-Face as much as you do, Deacon. Deacon. Um, yeah, just, I just don't see it. Uh, I like the princesses. They're cool, even though they're, like, played... I figured you would. Aren't they, like, played by different actors in every single movie, though? Like, Yeah. <laughs> which, okay. I mean, I'm just looking here. Diane Franklin and Kimberly LaBelle, uh, were they that high in demand in 1991 that they couldn't reprise their roles? Like... <laughs> Okay, um, but yeah, and the, and the sequence when they sort of go into the future, it did feel a little bit odd that kind of you got all these people coming around them and they're playing like this big epic sort of rock ballad of the eighties all of a sudden. But I kind of liked it. I like that song. I don't know if I'd go out of my way to get the soundtrack for this movie, but uh, you know, I, I don't dislike that type of music. It's just not uh, something that we'd play at the middle aged gay men's club. So um, <laughs> you know, it's not Madonna-y enough. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a whole lot to add. Like again, there's there's not nothing really here to nitpick. It's just fun. It's just enjoyable. Everything's really fun and enjoyable about this movie. Uh, so now we're getting into the purpose of the movie, which is the history report and preparing for the history report. Which so actually, they take everybody to the mall. Okay, sorry, mm-hmm. I'll jump in here because I will forget. Is this a, a a North American or an American school thing where like they get a full auditorium for people to read their history report? Like, is this a thing? <laughs> I don't think so. (laughs) I certainly never have. Everyone's going off. Everyone's loving this. This is like, you know, yeah, history report day. Woo. (laughs) And it's a Saturday. Like, is this how they want to spend their entire Saturday? Yeah. This is, I mean, no wonder they're going to need an A to stay in school because this is, maybe this is just a history school. Like, this is all it is. You know, and isn't it Spider-Man Far From Home or Homecoming? He just goes to a science school. Like, maybe this is just Mm -hmm. a history school that happens to have a football team. There's like a hundred kids in that auditorium yeah and if you look at the paper it's broken down into 15 minute increments they were there at what like three in the morning yeah for the start of this i mean <laughs> it's a long day but they're all very excited um so yeah well they're at the mall now quickly i want to talk about the again my bill and ted session as a, a kid uh one of my mom's husbands when i was a kid uh, the one that she was married to at the time the famous one uh, after these movies came out uh he had uh been um in california working and uh he I guess had drove through San Dimas and knowing what a big Bill and Ted fan I was, he wanted to collect something from it, which all he could really find was a map of San Dimas at a gas station. Um, now they didn't really film much of this movie in San Dimas. The majority of it was filmed in Arizona. I think in like Scottsdale, Arizona or something. Uh, so he had told me, Oh yeah, I drove past the, uh, the, the San Dimas mall and I drove past the San Dimas high school or whatever. But it didn't look like in the movie. And that was sort of my first clue. Oh, they didn't film all of this in San Dimas. Uh, But still cool. For the longest time, I had the San Dimas map from a San Dimas gas station, which I treasured. Um, And then my mom divorced him. Uh, (laughs) Because he didn't (laughs) get you a (laughs) T-shirt. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, if you had taken him to San Dimas, that would have been different. Uh, some of the visual gags are just little lines here. Uh, you know, Alex Winter, like, I'm not saying Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, because of how much he's done, speed and everything else, I couldn't pick in this movie whether I like Alex Winter or Keanu Reeves better. Like, they're both so good at what they do. And Alex Winter kind of guiding everybody off here. Saying, uh, okay, beef oven, make sure you don't get sucked under. Watch out for your robe, so crates. And then he says, everybody remember who your buddy is. <laughs> it's just so silly, these historical figures. Um, he's showing them everything in the mall. You got the Sears over here. There, we cut quickly to all the reports starting, and you you know, get everybody going up and giving their reports. Why are Bill and Ted the only ones who get to partner up on this? I don't know. Unless they just figured, hey, we don't want to go through this torture twice. Um, they leave them at the mall all with a bunch of Slurpees in the food court that says, everybody stay here. We're going to go get Napoleon. Uh, here's another one of Deacon's great lines here. What three lines in the movie Deacon has as uh, Deacon's at his baseball practice. And they're like, you ditched Napoleon. And then it's like, Deacon, do you understand that you've stranded one of Europe's greatest leaders in San Dimas? And he just looks at him and goes, he was a dick. <laughs> That's all he says. <laughs> that bit's Come on, funny. That, that bit's funny. Laugh. There you go. Yeah. Deacon. Uh, you stole Deacon's Easter basket. Uh, <laughs> that's what Jamie always remembers. Uh, but anyways, they leave and they're like, okay, so if we're going to find Napoleon, if you were in San Dimas, where would you be? And they say Waterloo, which we realize is a water slide park called Waterloo. How appropriate that's where Napoleon would make his way to. Now, this is one of those fun things in the movie. Again, it's just an 80s montage of a song playing as you're seeing all these silly things over and over again, but it's Napoleon at a water slide park. It, like it writes itself. Come on, Napoleon uh, getting terrified at the top, and then the the guy pushing him down the slide. Him loving the water slide. You see him cutting in front of kids in line. You see him literally physically picking kids up and putting them out of the way. Uh, my favorite is where he's trying to bargain with a girl to cut in front of her. And again, you don't hear the dialogue, but is it, you imagine something along like, do you not want me to go first? And the little girl's just shaking her head. And I was like, no, no, but I'm Napoleon. <laughs> I don't know why that was Schwarzenegger, but uh, hey, a lot of fun than you pull rod. So yes, exactly. I'm Paul Rod. I'm Paul Rod, everyone. <laughs> I'm Lapita Nwongo. <laughs> I'm just nailing it with the impressions on this. Paul Rudd, Napita Luongo, Edward Furlong. <laughs> I can do it all. Um, Except your wife. Exactly. <laughs> she pops for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> uh, but uh, Bill and Ted eventually find him here. They drag him in the water. And this is the thing that I have more appreciation for now as a father. I realize this is what they were actually going for as they're dragging Napoleon out of there, kicking and screaming. He's like, no, no, no. This is every child as you take him out of the pool. We had Casper in swimming classes for about a year and a half. Uh, and they do swimming classes here at all ages, like baby swimming classes and everything. It's just little things about get them used to being in the water, get them used to having their head, you know, their ear in the water, get them used to splashing and kicking and stuff. And so when Casper was really young, we had him in all these swimming classes. And every single week, this is what I experienced. And I never – I didn't connect the dots until I was watching this here. I'm like, oh, that's why it always drove me so nuts because I would take him out of the pool and this would be – we'd be the only parents there with a child kicking and screaming as you wrap them in a towel. Going, no, 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 because they didn't want to leave the pool. That's me Casper still. is Napoleon. I'm still that way that's as an you. adult. I love swimming. This is what happens when Mallory says it's my turn to get in the bath, Ben. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, in, my bath. In all seriousness, like recently um, we've been going to sort of this lake a lot to kind of, you know, she comes home from work, I'm doing whatever. It's like, oh, hey, let's, let's go for a swim. Like Mallory and her mum just have this thing of like, we get in the lake, 
we get, you know, in the water and within two minutes, okay, let's go. It's like, what the fuck we just got here? And like, but this is what they do all the time. It's like, you guys would suck in Australia. You realize we spent like three days in a row at the beach and don't leave. Like, what are you, what are you doing? It's like, ah, I've had my swim. It's like, why? Are there bears nearby or something? What's going on? (laughs) Is there a shark in the water? This is a lake. Like, I mean, I don't have to worry about something underneath trying to attack me. It's on the land. We're safer in the water, people. Like, what's going on? You know, when when uh, I come to your wedding, you and I can go swimming with Casper because yeah. I, I'm the same. I want to stay in here for about until I physically, you know, cannot identify my body's difference from that of a 90 year old man. I'm yeah. not ready to come out of the water. Exactly, yes. exactly. That is that is a good day of swimming. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so back at the mall, as everybody's now separated, even though they weren't supposed to, they're supposed to stick with the buddy system. We now get another great montage here of all the historical figures in modern day, which really starts with Joan of Arc observing the aerobics class. Uh, and then you get Be- Beethoven in front of a keyboard. Oh, I love that. Uh, and then the salesman turns it on and it's just like the, the automated. Worst salesman ever. He gets arrested because this guy is drawing like a thousand people yeah. to his store to look at these great equipment. And he gets so shitty, he gets Beethoven arrested. Yeah, You should be hiring this man yes. there to work there every single day to draw people in. Um, and uh, the, the best one here is Billy the Kid and Socrates. <laughs> Trying to pick up two girls in the food court, which again, just seeing Socrates like his swagger. <laughs> this guy is so hilarious in the movie as he's the way he sort of walks over them and he's like, <clears throat> just shoulders out and everything. Uh, Billy the Kid's basically saying, you know, we're famous and holding up a picture of himself. And then Sigmund Freud comes up and ruins it because he's trying to pick up the girls saying, you can call me Siggy. Uh, and then they start laughing at him. Goes, you all seem to be suffering from a mild form of hysteria. <laughs> and then they're like, you're such a geek. And this is. Maybe the best Socrates moment of the whole movie here. As he, Socrates looks at him and laughs and goes, geek. <laughs> and then Sigmund Freud, what is a geek? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger um, Freud. Well, they're both from Austria. Yes, they are. <laughs> Did you miss that? So is Hitler. Uh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was Hitler. They just, yeah. you know, changed the mustache at the last minute. Yeah. Um, so the big montage here is everything goes wrong. Uh, Genghis Khan is in a sporting goods store. He's taking a baseball bat to a mannequin. Another great visual there. Uh, uh, the, the guy that plays Genghis Khan, I know at least one movie he's in, but there's another thing that we saw him in recently where I'm like, hey, it's the guy from Die Hard because he was one of the henchmen in Die Hard. Now, I got to find what that other movie is because this guy's becoming like a star of the Oz Network here. Al Leon uh, was in... Last, last action, action hero. hero yeah uh, yeah oh uh, what else there was something else it wasn't last action hero godzilla but... he was a yeah, fisherman in godzilla oh there we go okay so that must be it so we've covered now four movies from the great al luong uh <laughs> he is the new oz network king he is the male renee Put russo on a t-shirt he was uh, also in 24 who did he play in 24 he was in the first four episodes of the first season he played neil Neil, wow! Actually, wasn't Ooh, Neil one of the hench- Wasn't Neil one of the guards at um, not Drazen? Who was the first villain in the first part of the season? Uh, one of his compounds. Remember when they first kidnapped Kim and uh, Jane? Is Jane her friend? Why well, I, I don't remember the villain you're talking about. I remember Kim's kidnapping. I remember there being guards, but I'm pretty sure he's one. Let's like, say I that. actually legitimately think he's one of the the, the compound. Who? What is his name? 
Um, Gaines. Gaines is oh, the wow. villain in the first half of the first season. There we go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ira Gaines. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Big star here, Aluong. Um, <laughs> I, I love his intensity here as he's hacking this thing to pieces. Just his screaming. Yeah! It's so funny to watch him in this movie. Like, all these people are just hilarious without having to do anything. Uh, the montage here as they, the song uh, Play With Me by Extreme. Now, Extreme after this movie would go on to have a lot of success, mostly with a, a song called a big ballad they had called More Than Words, which you probably heard, oh, of, which yeah, was like yeah. an acoustic ballad. Uh, I know the this acoustic is more version that they sing in The Love Guru. Uh. <laughs> is Extreme in The Love Guru? Well, they, no, they play um, Mike Myers' character does a version of More Than Words in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this song, Play With Me, I actually, I was just, you know, uh, I'm getting ready for doing two back-to-back half marathons and, I put together a playlist, and this song came up on my playlist today. So, uh, love this song by Extreme. Uh, funny enough, trivia here. Alex Winter, who already was sort of getting into filmmaking at the time when he uh, you know, made Bill & Ted at the age of 22, 23 years old, he directed Extreme's music video that followed up this. So, they had Play With Me as a single, and then their next video, Decadent Dance, Alex Winter was the director of that video. So, he kind of got hooked up with Extreme while making Bill & Ted, and uh, got one of his first directing gigs on that. Um, yeah, Genghis Khan on a skateboard uh, <laughs> with football pads on. <laughs> Amazing visual. Joan of Arc hijacking this aerobics class, which again, kind of like Beethoven. Why is she getting arrested? These people are into it. She's got the, the whole aerobics crowd going crazy. as She's doing like very, very high cardio stuff. Uh, you have Billy the Kid firing off a gun in the middle of a department store. Socrates following behind him with a cap gun, <laughs> shouting, <laughs> great visual. Um, uh, what else am I missing here? Sigmund Freud and Lincoln is getting his picture taken in a photo booth. They think that it's a costume <laughs> and he's trying to steal it. Uh, they ask for the fake beard back. He said, that's my beard. Sigmund Freud, I don't know why he gets arrested other than he's with Abraham Lincoln because they get arrested together coming off of the, uh, the escalator. Uh, but basically everybody's slowly getting arrested for tearing apart this mall. Uh, the highlight being Billy the Kid uh, on the ice uh, with Genghis Khan having like 16 cops try to take them down. And Socrates sliding face first on an ice rink, only to be picked up by police officers say, okay, come on, Grandpa, let's go. <laughs> I just always love that. Um, and uh, they're, they're all now stuck at the, uh, the police station. Uh, we get a moment with uh, Ted's dad trying to get the name and birth date and he, he's actually giving abraham lincoln february 12th 1805 or whatever he said 1809 uh sigmund freud being interrogated by one of the deputies uh where he say why do you claim to be sigmund freud he's like why do you claim i'm not sigmund freud why do you keep answering my questions with questions and tell me about your mother and he just storms off like, would you like a couch to lie on no i don't want a couch to lie on uh it's, it's all great um, we, we get uh, um, a couple of shots of other students doing um, their reports. There's some good, some bad. The bad one here is the football player uh, who's just stumbling over his words, and then he's pausing, and he just ends with San Dimas High School football rules, uh, and the crowd goes nuts. Now, that actually inspired, I think it's, you, have, you know the band the Ataris? I've heard of them. Heard of them. Yeah, they did a cover of Don Henley's The Boys of Summer. Uh, so, yeah, it was the Ataris. They had a song on one of their albums called San Dimas High School Football Rules, uh, which I'm not that big of a fan of the Ataris, uh, so it's not going to be on my playlist. But uh, it's cool that this movie aspired even the Ataris to write a song after a line from one of the history reports, San Dimas High School Football Rules. Uh, the 
Napoleon uh, is in the car. He's got sunblock on his nose, which looks funny. Uh, Ted and Bill go into the police station. I don't know how they found out that everybody was arrested. Uh, but uh, Napoleon, we get him trying to put the moves on Missy here as he slides into the front seat and tries, you know, putting his arm around her. Uh, Ted is being turned away by his dad saying, you go home and you pack your bags. Uh, they're like, oh, if only we could go back to get my dad's keys before, you know, we, we picked up everybody. And like, well, why can't we do it? Here's where the paradox of time travel kicks in because like, we'll just do it after the report. OK, well, what if we go after the report and we get your dad's keys and we put it right here behind the sign? And they pick it up. It's like, hey, wait, there's the keys. I guess it was me that stole my dad's keys. Then they're in the police station trying to sneak in. Uh, and they play on more things with this where they're like, OK, how are we going to distract your dad? All right. After the report. We'll get a tape recorder. We'll record a distraction of ourselves on there. So then all of a sudden you hear Ted on the tape recorder saying, Dad, I'm over here, Dad. So all this stuff is happening as they basically come up with it in their head. Through the magic of time travel, it just happens. They come across a typewriter that has messages they've left for themselves that basically says, good luck on the report. Sincerely, Bill S. Preston Esquire, Ted Theodore Logan, P.S. Duck. And they duck just as a, another police officer comes right past. Um, they are eventually helping them escape from the, the jail cells with the keys. I don't know how they get the bars off the window, but they remove every single bar from the window to sneak them out. Uh, and um, what is this note I have here? Something about a bus. Yes. Oh, no. This, this is where autocorrect totally messed it up. When they wrote the note to themselves, he replies, well, that was nice of us all <laughs> sincerely. And that somehow came out as note novice bus. So I tried to type note nice of us and it's game note novice bus. You started anyway. watching uh, speed at that point, funnily enough. Yeah, exactly. The bus that couldn't slow down. Uh, so <laughs> as Ted's dad comes in, just as they're helping all these prisoners escape. Now, there is another quick moment. I would love to see the director because apparently the original cut of this movie was two and a half hours long. And apparently Alex Winter himself recently discovered some still images from deleted scenes that he had on an old hard drive from an old computer he had in the 90s that he released. I would love to see the deleted scenes of them escaping from the jail because, again, how do the bars get removed? And when they open the jail cells, you see that these these two girls there, which I'm assuming are supposed to be hookers, who are getting in line to escape along with the rest of the prisoners. I want to know more about that, how they helped break some prostitutes out of jail. Uh, Ted's dad comes in and finds them escaping. Ted's like, trash can, remember a trash can. And all of a sudden, a trash can drops from the ceiling with Wild Stallion's rules written uh, on the trash can. Ted's dad's trapped. They escape. He leaves his keys for him. So now they got to rush to the report. The reports are ending. Mr. Ryan, the teacher, is basically saying, I'm sorry, we're one report short, so we're going to all leave early today. And then all of a sudden, all the lights go out, and this dramatic music starts, and there's a light show going on everywhere. It's basically a rock concert. Now, this was something that was changed because the original script, they just delivered this speech in front of the class. Whether the other historical figures were even there with them or not, I don't know. It was just a classroom setting, and they delivered it. And then after that, there was a prom scene where the the princesses arrived, where Rufus brings it back was supposed to be the prom. They realized they need something a little bit bigger for the end, and they kind of decided to play on the whole rock star persona here of Bill and Ted. And they basically put on a concert for their report. You got the music kicking. It's like uh, some of historical's greatest figures in their 1988 world tour. <laughs> and then the music kicks in and they're all standing on these platforms and they're in line and the phone booth is there. And Billy the Kid comes out and he's basically the MC. Uh, as the crowd's not really sure what they're watching, he shoots a light out. 
He tells them all to put their hands together. They start applauding. Bill and Ted come out, high-fiving, and they basically host this report concert as we get all the different characters being introduced. Genghis Khan, this is where I mentioned that he does just a display with his staff or whatever, and everybody's screaming, oh, yeah, Genghis Khan, Hitler, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, some of the other fun things in here is uh, Ted translating for Socrates as he's just miming things and ted keeps interpreting everything he's miming about being sports so socrates is doing something trying to give a philosophical speech and he's like he also loves baseball and socrates gives him this look like what what baseball <laughs> and then it's like he also loves billiards <laughs> no 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 billiards um joan of arc uh you know also doing her display and they're saying she's gonna start her own aerobics program when she goes back uh one of the best lines i'm gonna say in any movie ever is right here during the Beethoven sequence as Beethoven's doing his musical demonstration for all the kids. And they're explaining. It's like, uh, he, he's been blind since whatever. Uh, some of his favorite compositions are uh, Mozart's Requiem, Handel's Messiah, and Bon Jovi's Slippery Wet Wedge. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that Jamie just loved last night. Uh, Napoleon giving his... Uh, um, the. I guess risk on a risk board, his <laughs> breakdown of how he's going to win the Napoleonic War, or the Battle of Waterloo, and then Bill and Ted basically, I don't think it's going to work. And then he just throws a tantrum <laughs> and knocks and go, Triumph Napoleon! So you must French. love the French in this. Yeah. <laughs> One time you like the French. Uh, I love Genghis Khan too here, where they say, uh, you know, 500 years ago, he totally ravaged China. And we're told two hours ago, totally ravaged Osman's sporting goods. <laughs> my opening line. I love that. Uh, and um, oh, I'm sure there's one that I'm missing in here. Billy the Kid doesn't get anything. He basically gets to intro them and does nothing else, uh, which is sad for Billy the Kid. Uh, Sigmund Freud giving some therapy on Ted. Uh, and then in the end, they just have a nice quiet Abraham Lincoln speech Joan to end the whole Arc, thing. And he thing, I think. Well, yeah, you know, I said Joan of Arc did her display, but I, oh. I did miss. Oh, yeah, I listen Joan to of you. Arc. Uh, what? I do listen to you. You don't listen to me, clearly. You do. What? Try. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maxine of Arc, we should say. <laughs> Dave Beethoven, Herman the Kid. <laughs> uh, so Napoleon, or not Napoleon? Napoleon gives his four score and seven years ago speech. Uh, no, Abraham Lincoln. Play on it four score and seven minutes ago. Uh, we were brought forth on this excellent adventure, conceived by our new friends, Bill and Ted. Uh, again, this is where the movie ties in with the whole what would the leaders think of San Dimas today or the world today? And he's actually giving kind of a heartfelt speech about, you know, uh, what things were relevant in his time, they're still relevant now. It's, it's actually quite uplifting. And then he ends with uh, be excellent to each other. And <laughs> Party on, dudes! And this is sort of, I think, throughout the 90s, at least after this movie, sort of started to die down. This was that moment that the movie would always be advertised for. If you saw a commercial on TV for Bill and Ted, it would always either start or end with Abraham Lincoln throwing his arms up in the air going, Party on, dudes! <laughs> um, everybody goes crazy. Bill and Ted get everybody in the phone booth. There's a special effects display. Everybody thinks the phone booth disappears. Uh they the professor marks down an A on his report. There are some nice moments too there where Bill's dad and Ted's dad are arguing coming in there, basically blaming each other's kids. And then they both look very proud. Even Ted's dad sort of looking kind of proud at the report. Uh, Missy's putting the moves on her old teacher, Mr. Ryan. There's another uh, hint. Uh, imagine who is she going to end up with? We'll find out in Bogus Journey 
one of the many people she ends up with is actually uh, what was it the Grim Reaper? No, Denomalous, the villain in the second one. She makes her way around. I'm I'm just curious to see who uh, Missy ends up with. Uh, final scene: Bill and Ted in the garage doing the same thing they started the movie with their own mini music video playing really badly, and they just sort of end it. Uh, they give another very sympathetic, sincere speech about, you know, uh, we traveled through time. We passed our report and nothing's changed. And Bill's like, maybe now we need to get Eddie Van Halen. And Ted, like, maybe we actually need to learn how to play. And they kind of have this, oh, yeah, we do. Uh, which we'll find out. 32 years still hasn't happened. Funnily enough, um, you and I one day will finally have to learn how to podcast. So, Yeah, maybe we should learn how to podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, get Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Rob Sesternino. <laughs> yeah, that's been a while since we've had him on. That's why our ratings have dropped. <laughs> you could, you quote his pizza line again that oh, everybody gee, loves so much. What's happened with that? Come on. Uh, you know, the Oz Network is kind of like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. Yes, exactly. It's also kind of like, uh, no, I can't get a date or a listener. <laughs> Because he's too big in these non-white countries. He's intimidating. <laughs> Continue to explain my joke. <laughs> and, and then on that note, hi, I'm Paul Rudd. <laughs> I am Paul Rudd. <laughs> uh, imagine if this movie had had Paul Rudd and Pauly Shore. Now there's... Can we imagine Paul Rudd and Pauly Shore as Bill and Ted? I, I could. Would they and have then, gotten a third movie? And then I think Paul Rudd would have been in Speed. Paul Rudd would have been in The Matrix. Paul Rudd would be Matrix. John Wick. And Keanu Reeves would have been Ant-Man. Replacements. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's rewrite history. Let's go back in time. <laughs> let's make Paul Rudd Ted and Keanu Reeves Ant-Man. You can do it. Pauly Shore, uh, just like Alex Winter, you'd be going, who? Sorry, Paulie Shaw. Well, there's another one. You know, I can't believe we missed this, but Encino Man, another one clearly inspired by Bill and Ted. Yeah. Paulie Shaw's entire act is probably inspired by Bill and Ted. Um, anyway, so as they have this nice moment, the phone booth arrives. Rufus is outside. He's got the princesses with him. Uh, they're you know saying, oh, Rufus introduced us to a place called the mall and something called credit cards. <laughs> uh they also are given a gift from Rufus to these really fancy guitars. He says, I only have one favor for you. Can you sign this CD? And like, we we have CDs. And this is where he explains you know, your music in the future. All he told them throughout this movie is you need to pass your report. I'm going to give you the tool. And it's only here that he tells them your music saves the world. Your music unifies the universe and everything absurd that's going to come up in the next two movies. Uh, he asks the princesses to sign it because after all, they're the band. Uh, so we find out they're in the band too. And uh, Rufus says, can I jam with you guys? And like, okay, do you know how to play? Well, I play a little. And it's not George Carlin playing, but still Rufus plays this incredible guitar solo. They all decide to start playing and it's awful. Uh, <laughs> it is downright awful. And Rufus just looks at the camera and says, they do get better. End of movie. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, I I always get, I, I, I think I've seen Encino Man. I think I have, but there's what's Brendan Fraser, Cape Man. Well, what's the other one with Brendan Fraser and he's with Adam Sandler? What's that one? Airheads. Airheads. They're different movies, right? Yeah, okay. but again, yeah, another movie inspired by. Yeah, this. I, I, I don't know why I get those confused, but um, maybe I, I think as I watched something on Netflix the other night, and then that was on there, and they had a trailer for it or something. Um, yeah, um. The, can I just say, Abraham Lincoln's speech 
in the auditorium, what does it go for, like three minutes or so? Much more entertaining than the movie Lincoln that went for about three hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a very boring movie. Um, just just to uh, to point that out. Uh, I just, I just, I seriously love the fact, still going back to what I was saying before, that like this school is just going gaga for like a freaking history report. Like it's just... <laughs> You know, like, I, I don't want to nitpick this movie because, again, it's just check your brain at the door, sure, believe it. But, um, and again, it's kind of like everybody's right, like, their entire school is riding on this one report. Why are they last? Shouldn't they be first? Like, go in there first and get it over and done with. I do like the whole mall sequence, so I, I love Beethoven playing the um, the keyboard, <laughs> just, like, yeah. going crazy with that one. Uh, yeah, and Joan of Arc getting into um, aerobics. Sure. <laughs> that that how is that not Winona Ryder? You tell me that does not look like Winona Ryder. Uh okay, here's yeah, I can I can definitely see I think that Jamie may have even said that at some point when we watched this movie is that Winona Ryder. Um I have this thing where I really despise Winona Ryder for some reason. Like there's something about Winona Ryder that really bugs me. So I, I probably don't notice it because I'm not bugged by Joan of Arc. Maybe if I was a Winona Ryder fan, I could see it more. And if she didn't repulse me, but I can't, I can't even explain why Winona Ryder bugs me so much. I like Winona Ryder. Um, I mean, I like Mr. D. Also like Madonna. Um, so you can't compare Winona Ryder and Madonna. That's like comparing the Oz Network to Rob has a podcast. One's great. It's had a steam (laughs) career and is very successful. The other is the Oz Network. So, um, (laughs) you know, um, did you ever watch that TV movie? Uh, was it a? It had Lily Sabowski played Joan of Arc. It was like late nineties, early two thousand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. There was also the one with uh, Mila Jovovich playing Joan yep. of Arc. They both came out around the same time. They did. Yeah, that was kind of like the whole both. Armageddon Deep Impact, like you know, rival films yeah. telling the same thing. Uh, Lily Sabowski, make her happen again. Whatever happened to her? <laughs> I feel like we've talked about her what a lot recently, her? haven't we? Oh, did she also die in 2008? Oh, don't say that. Uh, she's going to die now. We're going to kill Lily Sabowski. And then she's going to be Oh, what will mentioned. the world do? <laughs> Mourn for five minutes. Um, that's mean. I like Lily Sabowski. She's great. I have no problem with her. I mean, she, she was good for a while there until she dropped off the face of the earth. She was in Jungle to you know- Jungle with Tim Allen. Uh, you know the movie – I don't know if anybody remembers. There were two movies that she made that uh, I actually was a, a bit of a fan of. One was uh, a movie called The Glass House. Um, yeah, And then the other one was Joyride, which was kind of like a, a cheesy thriller movie uh, with her and Steve Zahn in it and Paul Walker. Did you ever see that one? Uh, no, but the other two stars don't exactly make me want to go out and watch it anytime soon. So Steve Zahn? Yeah, and Paul Walker. Oh, well, yeah, but Steve Zahn. <laughs> Sure. Uh- <laughs> you know, I, I I think I figured out where she died, and it was around 2008. Uh, her last major movie that I can find here was In the Name of a King, A Dungeon sie- Siege Tale, which uh, <laughs> is notoriously considered one of the worst films ever made, and she was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress at the Razzies. Uh, this is one of the Uwe Boll movies. Uwe Boll, every single movie he made was like, this is the new Ed Wood. Uh, and after that, no major movies. So she, um, maybe she did. I think we, we talked. Yeah, I'm looking here at a filmography too. Funnily enough, she was in a, a, a. She played a stalker in the last film festival that was released in 2016, <laughs> but filmed in 2010. 
Her last movie was branded in 2012. But in 2012, she was in a, like a very short-lived TV show, which I believe I've talked about before, NYC 22, which I think it got cancelled after like 10 episodes, but it was kind of like about rookie cops in the NYPD. It's actually really good. I thought you said it got cancer after 10 episodes. <laughs> and that's why it got cancelled. Um, but it had Adam Goldberg in it. Um, and actually, it was actually not that bad. Um, but yeah, it did not last very long. But yeah, bring back Lily Sabowski. You know, I mean, there's there's rumours. I don't know if we, you and I were talking off air about how, you know, Ben Affleck's coming back to play Batman, Michael Keaton, right? I don't know if you saw the rumour about Tobey Maguire potentially coming back as Spider-Man. I don't know if you saw that. Um, so, like, if they're making Tobey Maguire a thing again, which, let's be honest, we're long overdue for Tobey Maguire being made a thing again, and Brendan Fraser, two stars of this podcast, which we've never done a month of, even though I think they were, like, two of the main reasons we got into the Oz Network. Um, make Lily Sabowski happen again. All right, it's time. I think I found I found her Instagram here, and it seems to be endless pictures of her standing in front of very weird art paintings or in sculptures. Um, so I think she's an artist now. Is she like she? So she's like um, what's her name? Uh, Alexa uh, Richards, Ariana Richards. Oh, sorry, yeah, the Ariana um, Richards, who basically Jurassic is now Park, a, yeah. a painter now, isn't she? So mm-hmm. they, maybe they're friends. They're about the same age, aren't they? <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, anyway, the movie. Um, yeah, this isn't going to go long, Ben. Um, no, it's it's the, again, it's 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 silly. They're they're doing this massive thing in front of a uh, giant auditorium, but it's actually really entertaining. Again, I just I do love how like everybody sort of gets involved. And like, yeah, I'm so into this. Like, woo! Like everyone's cheering, giving a round of applause at the end because they absolutely love history. Um, great. Uh, and then, yeah, like the the bodacious babes basically are just going to be there because they're in the band as well and. Again, these medieval English princesses just rock up to go to a prom and know how to play the drums. So, okay. But, uh, no, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do love the... I really do love that whole sequence when they're kind of like, oh, yeah, man, like, after we've done our report, we're going to go in the future and, you know, there's a trash can. Like, I just think it's kind of funny. Um, again, <laughs> like, if you analyse it, it's not going to make sense, but at the same time, it's just funny. And I actually, the one thing that I kind of really liked, I think you kind of alluded to that there's a lot of little mentions. I'm sure if you go back and watch this movie and you've watched it tons of times that you pick up on these things. But, like, the whole key situation, like, at the beginning, like, I can't find my keys. Like, I wasn't yeah. even thinking that's going to play a part. Like, oh, what's that got to do with anything? And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like this becomes, like, a huge plot point of the whole movie is basically his keys. So that was kind I of mean, something funny. It's like Back to the Future. It, Every time you watch Back to the Future, there's always something you pick up on that you've never noticed before that fits into exactly. the plot. Yeah, and I, I think as much as silly as it sounds, you know, from the screenwriters of Bill and Ted, yeah, one of them is the offspring of one of the guys who made the Twilight Zone famous. So that, there's a little bit of Twilight Zone in here. When we get to the next movie, it kind of gets even more complicated, more silly as well. But, you know, there is some intelligence to the plot and how they've written this movie. Um I'm going to need your assistance here because I'm on a laptop that's uh, very slow. Uh, if you want to get the plot keywords ready, I can help you I out, will... Colin. I will do that for you. All right, and you can get some of the IMDb reviews that uh, become a new segment on here yeah, already I've as well. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, so this movie, it's mildly successful as far as box office goes, but for a teen comedy about time travel. Uh, for a movie that had been cancelled and delayed for two years that eventually came out, not bad for its overall box office. It's the 31st highest grossing film of 1989, uh, right ahead 30? of The War of the Roses. Huh? What was number 30? 
The Three Fugitives. Oh, that must have been the the sequel that we never got uh, before The Fugitive five years later. <laughs> must have been. So you had The Fugitive, um, the two Fugitives, and then The Three Fugitives. By the way, quick, yeah. quick question. But, but, your thoughts on Kiva Sutherland being in a TV remake of The Fugitive? Have you watched it yet? Okay, I haven't, but is that on that Quibi? Isn't that the one where it's only 10 minute long episodes? I, I, I've never heard of Quibi until I saw Kiva Sutherland on it. Okay. That drew my attention. <laughs> Yeah, no, this Quibi, it sounds interesting, this Quibi, that they, they basically say, we're going to do TV series, but our TV series are going to be only 10-minute long episodes. So basically, it's it's a way of almost breaking up a movie by the time you get a full season complete. It's the length of a movie, but they're just releasing 10-minute installments, which is kind of a cool idea. There's another one on there that I want yeah, to check out on Quibi. Yeah, six to nine minutes. Sorry to interrupt you again, but yeah, production, it says here, six to nine minutes. How does that work? Yeah. How do you afford Kiefer Sutherland? And, like, <laughs> we're only going to pay you for six well, to nine, nine minutes. That's nothing. If One of the other big shows on Quibi right now is uh, Die Hart, which is uh, yep. Kevin. Yep. Yeah. Ke- uh, what's his John name? John Travolta's Kevin, in uh, Kevin Hart? Yeah, and John Travolta. Yeah. <laughs> Die uh, Hart, Kevin Hart. Get it? You know, it's a joke. Kevin Hart. Yeah. What's his name? <laughs> uh, yeah. Kevin Hart and John Travolta, which is, uh, that also has kind of a cool premise. But I'd be interested in checking those out. You know, that would be something that would be very easy to just review an entire season in one shot because it's like an hour. I didn't know. Like, I was going to legitimately, like, find this series and watch it. You know, I was going to sit down probably for, you know, a 42 minute episode and here it's over with nine minutes going, have I got the wrong episode? Like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> Uh, but anyways, $40 million domestic box office. Uh, it ends up outgrossing The Karate Kid 3, uh, The Naked Gun, and License to Kill. Oh, um, you'd be happy with $6 that. million more than License to Kill. The movie opened on President's Day, appropriate, in <laughs> 1989. Uh, was third at the box office behind The Burbs, which is a Tom Hanks movie that was number one. And Rain Man, uh, which had been out forever at that point, at number two. It also outgrossed The Three Fugitives on its first weekend. Uh, Other movies that opened that weekend were The Fly 2, Cousins, True Believer, Tap, The Mighty Quinn, and Paper House. All classics from 1989. Yeah. Uh, Reviews. Now, this is a movie where the reviews have gotten progressively better over time because when this came out it was sort of a mixed response and you can see in a lot of the reviews at the time um one here from the washington post uh made only the sketchiest attempts to draw uh their hysterical characters they exist as foils and nothing else and the gags that are hung on them are far from first rate completely disagree uh New York Times said the film was a painfully inept comedy and that the one dimly interesting thing about Bill and his excellent adventure is the way the two teenage heroes communicate in superlatives. Uh, we are about to fail most egregiously, says Bill and Ted. So again, some praise for the way that the dialogue is kind of handled in this movie. So those are sort of the initial reviews at the time that it came out. Now, I said at the beginning, for a movie that's dated and was a hit at the time, a big enough hit that it, it really caught on and and developed this franchise of video games and animated series and live action series and all of this other stuff uh it should have been sort of one of these things that just died once the 90s sort of kicked in and this was not cool anymore uh but (laughs) the reputation of this movie kept growing over the years and if you look up what the rating is right now on rotten tomatoes for bill and ted's excellent adventure it's like 80 percent which is insane uh, for a movie that got mixed response when it first came out. Oh, do you hear that? No. <laughs> I have all these Bill and Ted pages open, and I don't know if it's the IMDb one. It just started playing the trailer, so I started hearing the music 
playing here. I'm like, what was that? What? I thought you were playing something this, in the background. I love this like silent pause all of a sudden. Uh, and it's just like, did you, did you hear that? It's like Colin's losing it again. <laughs> That's the sound of critics coming around. The, 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 the vo- <laughs> yeah. Play that in for a segue. Quick, edit that in. So, hear that, Ben? <laughs> That's the sound of critics coming around. <laughs> Wow, this is again why no one listens to us. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's box office. Uh, you have plot keywords there or a fun I IMDb do, review? Yes, just quickly actually, I've just noticing one of the pages I had open on my computer. I teased people earlier on by saying, oh, I'm going to find out the Kevin Bacon number for Sean Connery and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> um, Keanu Reeves has a Sean Connery number of two. Uh, Keanu Reeves was in Whoa. The Matrix Revolutions, which had Anthony Zerb in it, who was in The Molly Maguires with uh-huh. Sean, Sean Connery. So... Of course. Did we um did we ever talk about on the double uh, seven download now uh the that weird animated movie that Sean Connery was in in the last few years yes. that uh, we, yeah we should probably cover at some point like the worst reviewed movie of his career and he did Zardoz <laughs> so um anyway <laughs> uh plot keywords um we have reference to Billy the Kid could do that uh Sigmund Freud character uh name in title. Uh, friendship between boys. That's one for Jamie. Uh, <laughs> featuring Stranger Things, Riverdale, Teen Wolf, and Stand by Me. Okay. Um, characters' point of view camera shot. These are really not good. Oh, here we go. Hang on. Found it. Frenchman in Austria month. Finally, oh. featuring the only movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Wait. So not even. The War and Peace movie that the footage is taken from, that they use stock footage from, can make it on this list. Only uh, Bill and Ted. Uh, I'm looking forward to Prostitute Month. Uh, oh, yes. Featuring The Sopranos, Westworld, Harlots, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Um, hey, you know what? If we ever want to cover something, short seasons, completely out there show, really great. Let's cover Westworld. It, it's it's a, a fantastic show. And it features Tandy Newton as a robot prostitute. Like, oh. what more could you ask for? And it's a, isn't Westworld based off a Michael Crichton novel? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, based on, no, it was uh, an original movie that he made in the 70s. Right. Uh, they've now made into a TV series. Yeah, really good show. And who's the um, who's the big star in that outside of Tandy Newton? Who's the, isn't there somebody really famous oh, in that? I don't even know. Um, there's a lot of people in the movie. Um, the There is one guy, uh, James Marsden, I know, was in the first season. Um, Evan Rachel um, Wood. That's who I'm thinking. Oh yeah, and Ed Harris yeah, for the other one. Ed Harris as well. Ed Harris. I had a big Evan Rachel Wood crush when I was a teenager. <laughs> I I 100 there heard I had a big Ed Harris crush. That's what I, heard. <laughs> well, I mean, that goes without saying, Colin. Do I need to mention that? I mean, come uh, on, everyone also, does. Jeffrey Wright, Anthony um, Hopkins. He looks later. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, Clifton Collins Jr. was in it. Oh, that's where I'm thinking of. Um, we could have stabbed with a sword, hit in the head month, male male hug. What about gay or homophobic homophobic slur month, Colin? <laughs> so I, I I would much rather the homophobics. <laughs> that's like what Joan of Arc teaches. Well, well, <laughs> it's homophobics class. Gay what? gay slur month featuring the old guard, the Sopranos, the gentleman, and the Wolf of Wall Street appearing again oh. for a second time. Uh, homophobic slur month <laughs> featuring Gladiator. 
Yes, all those gay slurs what? in Gladiator. Gosh, you can't escape them, can you? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, you again. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And blue is the warmest colour. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am there. Um, pretending to be English month. American pretending to be European month. Sure. Featuring only Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, oh, hang on. Greek in Austria. Uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah, okay, there's some random ones is this here. Editable. What? Who's is this? Is something where you can? Is this something you can add stuff on? Can you edit this? Are you, oh, are you talking about the podcast or IMDb? Um, <laughs> IMDb. The, the plot keywords. <laughs> I hear the word edit, and I'm thinking, great, I'm going to take a note. I'm going to chop something out of this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we can't say homophobic. That's just wrong. <laughs> what? What? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, there's if user can, reviews on IMDb, right? So we're going to find out because if we can, that's what we need to start doing. You need to find putting our own plot keywords because so many of these are like there is one movie on. They're like Socrates high-fiving should be a plot keyword even if there is only one movie that it ties to. We need to find a way to come up with our own plot keyword that will tie to only one movie. This has actually like tons. This is the thing. Like you've literally got man wears boxer shorts, man wears eyeglasses, man wears sandals, man wears shorts, man wears sunglasses, woman wears armor, woman wears sunglasses, man kisses a woman's head, man wears a crop top, man wears a suit of armor. Like somebody's legitimately sat down here and has gone, I'm going to be the most technical you can get with the movie. (laughs) Like, man wears one sock, man Oops. wears two sock. Movies featuring Hal Landon Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast rejected by Hal Landon Jr. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, do you want the user reviews now or am I jumping ahead? Yeah, let's do at least one. Okay, so uh, there are four one-star reviews on IMDb. We have one here uh, by Trailer Park Boy. Uh, one out of ten. If I had a time machine, I would kill the director of this movie. <laughs> what? You would stop the Mighty Ducks from existing? Like, like, legitimately, Trailer Park Boy gets given a time machine, can, like, stop COVID from happening, can can kill Hitler. Stop can, Hitler. Don't get the terrorists on the plane for 9-11. There's our one per episode. Like, like do anything. But they're going to kill the director. <laughs> and why do you need a time machine for that? Is uh, is not Stephen Herrick still alive? Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's still there, trailer park guy. Like, <laughs> um, one out of star- one out of ten, accurate, prescient, and dispiriting by the Red Duchess. Uh, this is very what? big words. I'm not reading this one. Um, oh, by the way, I'll just say okay. that that headline of if I had a time machine, I would kill the director of this movie. Nothing else was written in that review. That's literally it. <laughs> uh, Bad Trip by Angry Arguer. Uh, I wasn't surprised with what I saw. This takes one gag, insanely idiotic guys, and beats it to death by having them display their ineptness through history. Uh, blah bloody blah And the other one here by Smeloton. Truly awful film. After watching this film, I am left wondering how on earth did Keanu Reeves have an acting career after this? Not only is the acting so bad, the storyline is so appalling. Most films like this, I try to go along with the corny and silly nature of them, but I couldn't squeeze an ounce of fun out of this film. The script sounds like it was written either by Stoner. You know what? Or so- what? Like, how are you saying that? Like, of course it was. Like, this is what makes it fantastic. 
Um, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and kill that reviewer. <laughs> I, I do. Only I won't read I the rest of it. The, the the closing line by Smeloton. BTW, I was forced to watch this in a high school history lesson. Best history class ever. <laughs> so I am genuinely yes. sorry if I am shitting on one of your favorite childhood movies. <laughs> okay. Come on. Where where was this in my history class? Yeah. Like, that's best history class ever. Shut up, Smeloton. Um... What else have you reviewed? <laughs> this is the only thing you reviewed, Smeloton, you dickweed. You know, funny enough, uh, I don't think we watched any movies in history. There was one that we watched. And it's a Canadian movie. It's a very famous Canadian movie called Quest for Fire about cavemen. Um, and that was the only thing we ever watched in history class was Quest for Fire. So if I can go back to school, I want to find this class and I will enroll to retake whatever grade that is history just so I can watch Bill and Ted. I um, Just quickly before I, I – I'm just looking here at um, uh, Trailer Park Boys reviews. He's legitimately reviewing like hoity-toity French films and stuff like that, and like he's doing Bill and Ted. Although he did review, oh. um, he did review Galaxy Quest and <laughs> called it the most intelligent and yearning Hollywood film in years. So there you go. Well, um, I, yeah. I, the only time I ever did history was in year twelve. Like, I, okay, I did history as part of like social studies, but then you had to choose between <laughs> geography and history, and I always chose geography. Is it is it optional for you? <laughs> well, as in like. In high school, for like years seven to nine, you do what's called SOS, Studies of Society and Environment. So you learn history in that. But then when you get to year 10, you had to choose either history or geography. Okay, I got you. I chose geography. And then when I got to year 11 and 12... Um, yeah, it's similar yeah. here. Like we had yeah. social studies, which was like seven through nine or whatever, and that would have grouped history in. So it's not yeah. like you literally learnt no history until yeah. your last but, year in school. But, but having said that, when I got to year twelve, I had to choose an option. I had to choose a class. Like you get a certain amount of points in certain classes, get to university. So I had to do, and I, I'd never done like history. History itself, and I did modern world history, like twentieth century history was amazing like i absolutely loved it i loved it so much that when i went to university the first time i did a history course and that ended up being like 16th century history and i fell asleep and i quit but um <laughs> the point is in that history you would class, have been able to identify which king henry it was if you'd stuck with it no we were learning about like the dutch sailing around the world and discovering australia and kind of that crap so ugh, boring uh. um but the the only film i remember watching in history was downfall that that hitler one uh, oh, you, you know movie. where the Hitler meme comes from when it's like him yelling yeah. at people? Yeah, it's from that movie. So yeah, that's it. Anyway, um, they're the only reviews, the the only one-star right. reviews. Yeah. So we're not going to say next week because at the time of recording this, we are already a couple of days away from Bill we're and Ted Face the Music. So. We're sorry. We are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just like your period if you're pregnant, we are late. Um, so <laughs> Okay. I've got... <laughs> kids in two tries. Is Jamie late again, Colin? <laughs> Only parallel. Well, she was watching Matthew Broderick and Keanu Reeves last night. Oh, she uh, would have triplets. <laughs> throw Paul Rudd in there shirtless and she would have been. Uh, but um, we're, what we're going to be doing, as we mentioned, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I already covered that with Jamie and Rossi a couple of uh, days ago. Um, and or a couple of days ago, a couple days of years ago, ago you really have yes. a time machine, don't you? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we're going to revisit it. So you are going to yourself be traveling through time as future Colin and Ben travel back to past Colin, Rossi and Jamie. Uh, but you're, you're going to hear new stuff on there because we're Ben and I are going to talk about his opinions on Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And then we'll kind of cap it off with a, a little bit of 
a preview, I guess, of Face the Music. Uh, but uh, I would encourage people to listen to the episode, too, just because even though Jamie and Rossi did not get a lot of the movie, and I even I'll admit, there, there are weird things about that movie. It is very different from Excellent Adventure, uh, but it's still fun for me, and it's still nostalgia for me. Uh, one of the greatest moments in Oz Network history is on that episode, and I won't spoil it completely, but uh, you'll hear a moment where Jamie, who is sitting next to me, was doing something rather embarrassing, um, <laughs> and I wasn't sure what she was doing, so I sort of called her out and and i even verbally say you will hear it in the episode i'm like do you want me to edit this out and she's like no 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 it's fine and she basically spills the beans on the really embarrassing thing she was doing uh which has become one of my favorite moments in Oz network history so it was yes okay so we'll, we'll spoil it. it involves her boobs uh, <laughs> i just know i was like like i didn't mean to spoil it like people can listen to the whole thing to hear what it is but like i yeah. I, I remember it on the best of and i was just thinking yeah. like it's it's the boob thing or <laughs> Uh, well, that's it. Uh, the boob thing. <laughs> yeah, that's Jamie. Yeah, the boob thing. Uh, so listen to the episode. Uh, and you'll also hear everybody's appreciation for the Grim Reaper because he is really the star of that movie. Uh, so stay tuned in a couple of days. Who even knows which day, but it'll be coming this week. And then eventually uh, a review for Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is a movie that's coming to theaters in 2020. Woohoo! What happened? Um, anyways... You can listen through the end of the episode to hear all of our regular tags, um, uh, hear where you can subscribe to us. You're already listening to this episode, so I'm assuming you are, so I don't know why we tell you how to subscribe in the end, but we still do. And uh, buy our T-shirts. Maybe we'll make a Bill and Ted one. Maybe make a Rejected by Hal Landon shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something will be coming soon for you. Uh, Total Drama Island is out this week as well. Uh, it is Woo-hoo! technically not the finale, but it is the finale. Kind of a weird show. But it's where we finally get to see the winner of the first season. That is an animated Survivor-like show. Uh, and maybe we're going to have a review of Tenet as well because that comes out this week too. Um, not everywhere, and it will be spoiler-free. So for people who probably are going to have to wait until April to see that movie, uh, we won't spoil too much for you. Um, join us in a few days for more Bill and Ted. My name is Colin, and I'm Paul Rudd. My line. Fuck it. Hi, I... I hi, I'm... <laughs> My name is Ben Waterworth, and hi, I'm Paul Rudd. There we go. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.